Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 209 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and the triumphant return of Adam. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm great. I should take a week off more often, Joe, because I'm refreshed. I'm actually excited to be here. I'm thinking we need to figure out a way to get me on, like, the Brock Lesnar schedule of podcasting, you mm-hmm. know? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Uh, just have, like, a guest host maybe every third episode. I'll do some production and send it in, you know, so you guys don't miss me completely, but... uh I feel like that's the best use of my skills. Right. And that's the thing is, you know, obviously with you and your <clears throat> production. Oh, come on. Um, I think you were on the show just as much if you ever were not on the show or something. Right. <laughs> I don't like the fact that you're you're uh, running down my my producer skills. Like you said on the podcast last week when DeWiki <laughs> stepped in and, and shout out to DeWiki. I was. I was fully intending to uh, spend the first half of this podcast just running down his guest appearance, but he did a great job. Begrudgingly, <laughs> I'll say that. What, but, what, a, what a good friend you are. <laughs> well, I, just, you, I just default to shitting on people. I think it's <laughs> if you go to longboxheroes.com and look at the comments after every one of our episodes, it's all just like, oh, Joe, great point. Great point, Joe. Adam, you couldn't be further from the truth. Adam, you're an idiot. That's all he does every <laughs> week. So I felt like I was I was going to do that for this past week. But that would require me to, to create a login to the website, and I wasn't going to do that, or for disc, discuss or whatever. Uh, but we what had I'm getting this conversation in- before you could set it up through your twit, like literally, it's a click that That's you can log in with your Twitter, your Google. Uh, anyway, I want to give some weird website my logins. Come on now. And <laughs> oh what what I'm getting into is you said at the end of uh, the episode that. If you were unable to attend an episode of At Odds, there just wouldn't be any show because right, right. you didn't trust my ability to, oh, no, I have to edit in that theme song at the beginning. I have to press a button for a voicemail. I could do all that. I learned how to share my screen a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I, plus, I produced, I produced like 40 episodes of Porch Talk already. Produced. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'll just say your co-host likes to take a lot of the – he and his ringtone maker like to take a lot of the credit. It's a uh, team effort. It's a team oh, effort over right. at Stock. Yeah. But and that, So that's the thing is, you know, obviously um, I'm not here. The file would still need to get to me to post up on the website, you know? Yeah, that, that would be the only part that I would absolutely need you to do because I, I don't know no uploads. Right. It's, it's easier than you think. <laughs> But I will say, um, Todd has those credentials as well. Uh-huh. And if you ask Todd to give you, uh, he has two choices. Give you $1,000 or give you the login and password <laughs> for the Longbox Hero site, you'll get $1,000. <laughs> Ooh, all right. There's no, like, he has them. I've sent it to him dozens of times. I'm like, just in case you have something you want to upload or whatever it is. And he's just like, eh, you know, I don't know nothing. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, we will need to use that upload ability because there's going to be a very special episode of Porch Talk within the next week that Mm. uh, might get released into the into the all the feeds. Uh, Oh, really? Myself and a prominent Twitter personality that's uh, very much like minded when it comes to baseball are going to uh, potentially preview the postseason. Oh, (laughs) 
it's let me just put it this way it's down to one of two people i'm not sure which one is going to be recording with me uh one of them is a, a famous hoss of a wrestler and the other one is a member of the soon-to-be-named network i'm just not sure which one will be participating with me if that makes sense gotcha yeah <laughs> gotcha but uh Anyways, Joe, let's get on to this show, you think? Yeah, let's. Uh, enough about you talking about fake sports. Let's get into my favorite real sport. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. Yeah, it's definitely you. When it's me and you, I hear the little at the end of the uh, jingle, and it wasn't yeah. there when uh, David was on. It doesn't come oh. through on the actual feed, the uh, the file itself. But like I said, it's definitely you. I get it. DeWiki can do no wrong. That's yeah. fine. Uh, so this is a quick and easy This Day in Wrestling history. Um, you know, not a lot was really going on. Um, but we do have our head-to-head 1997 Nitro versus Raw. Um, Nitro has a couple things. You know, it is what it is. It's building up toward... Uh, Halloween Havoc, uh, there's Goldberg's second ever match on TV on there. Mm-hmm. Um, the main event is the Giant versus Kurt Henning, and he's Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, right? Yeah, and more the on, Giant. More on him and the homework. <laughs> uh, but the GIF always goes around, and it was going around a ton today because it was the, the anniversary of it. But it was such freaky strength that Kurt Henning had that he was able to like get the giant up and over for a perfect plex followed by a very impressive unassisted nip up from the giant. <laughs> <laughs> um, but still again, a very impressive feat of strength. Like the giant was not the, like he was still huge. Just even just uh, somebody that tall, let alone that yeah. heavy to be able to like to hook them and move them. Cause like once you hook that guy's leg, there's not really much that he could give to you on one leg to help get over, you know? Yeah, yeah, even with one leg hopping, that's a lot of weight, you know? Yeah. Um, and another match that was on this is Rey Mysterio uh, taking on El Caliente. Uh, now, El Caliente is not a luchador that you somehow have forgotten about. It was very obviously Eddie Guerrero in a cheap luchador mask. Okay. And as soon as he comes out, the fans immediately recognize that it's him. And they're chanting Eddie at him, and he's trying to, like, play it off. And the commentators have to act like they're idiots until (laughs) he gets it unmasked. And I think Tony Schiavone even says, he's like, oh, he goes, I can't believe that nobody was able to tell that was Eddie Guerrero. Well, (laughs) we were kind of able to tell. Um, You know, and, like, it just, it was just, they're, they're, this is like one of the first times that they're actually doing something to build toward like a cruiserweights angle on the yeah. show. Cause it's just like usual, like, Oh, guys having matches. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they picked the two right guys to have a storyline with this early in the, the cruiserweight title run. And I say early in the cruiserweight title run, the belt's been around at this point for however many years, you know? Yeah. And like 97, 98, like, you know, that's when you had your Jericho and feuding with Malenko and feuding with, you know, Rey Mysterio. Like, that was height of powers cruiserweight division for WCW, you know? Right. It's like it's right around here. You know, obviously, we have this build into the Halloween Havoc match. Um, you mentioned the Jericho stuff. The Jericho heel turn happens, like, late December, early January. 
he beats Ray for the title, I think, like, January, February, and then, like, Jericho is, like, the focal point, and, like, maybe one of the best and only watchable things on WCW at that time. Yeah. Uh, over on Raw, however, you know, I do have to uh, retract my statement. It's so difficult to keep track of these things because it happens so often. I thought that last week the match with Ahmed Johnson and The Rock is where Ahmed Johnson got hurt. It's this week where Ahmed Johnson gets hurt. He cuts his leg on a nail on the announce table. <laughs> okay. And, like, gets, like, a staph infection, and then he's out for, like, several months. And then that then this is really the end of Ahmed Johnson, right? Yeah, that was before they started building the announce table out of, like, Ikea parts that just snapped together. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the go-home show for Hell in the Cell, which is coming up this weekend in our storyline. So, you know, next week's Raw is going to be a big one coming out of that. Because um, that's... Next week's Raw is the beginning of the build toward Survivor Series. Okay. Um, and I'll just throw this out here on this episode of Raw. Uh, Owen Hart comes out to promote his match at Survivor Series coming up with Austin for the Intercontinental title. Um, Owen debuts the Owen 316 I Just Broke Your Neck shirt. <laughs> and because he has like a order of protection against Austin, while Owen is cutting his promo, he's flanked by a bunch of masked SWAT team members. Okay. And Adam, wouldn't you know, one of those SWAT team guys takes off the mask, and it's Stone Cold. What? Oh, man. I know. I hope, I hope On this episode a... of Raw from 1997, that's a thing that happened. I hope that that doesn't happen again in three years during our homework, you know? I, I certainly hope not. What are the chances? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is that it for this day in history for you, Joe? Yeah, like I said, it's a light and easy one. All right, I do have a quick one I just want to throw out. It's not really this day in history. It's more of like a this week in history, if I may. Okay. okay. I, I, ju I just want to say that, like, obviously, I don't chime in a lot, but I want to throw out there that this past Monday, Joe, we had a birthday that's very special to this podcast and all of the soon-to-be-named network. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to shout out the birthday person. Happy birthday, Brandy Lauren. <laughs> her birthday was this past Monday. You know her birthday, right? Nobody else that you could think of had a birthday on Monday? There was somebody else with a birthday on Monday? Well, my Facebook told me there was at least three other people. Hmm. Well, I, I only know Brandy Lauren, you know? But, uh... <laughs> now, I know, uh, speaking of the Owen Hart segment, uh, I know that she got you a restraining order for her birthday. <laughs> what did you get her for her birthday? A violation of the restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, happy birthday, DJ. Yes, happy birthday, DJ. <laughs> you know, I'm not a birthday guy and DJ, you know. I just, when I found out that uh, two of my favorite people share the same birthday, <laughs> I had to I had to make sure that that was shouted out. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Well, enough about the past. Let's get into this past week of wrestling. Um, Adam, where would you like to begin? I'm going to start way, 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 way back a long time ago, this past Friday on WWE SmackDown. And I'm going to talk about the Bloodline with Sami Zayn segment. Um, I don't watch SmackDown Live. I, I basically watch it through Twitter. And if something 
seems watchable, I'll go back and I'll check it because I do record it on the DVR. But I saw little bits of that that promo and I had to go check it out. Like I already had it spoiled on me through Twitter, but I watched it again. And Joe, I legitimately had goosebumps as far as how much I enjoyed that. I had a smile from ear to ear. You had uh, basically Roman staring down Sami Zayn, telling him to take off that bloodline shirt. What are you doing wearing that? You'll never wear a bloodline shirt again. He made the one Uso who doesn't like him, I forget his name, uh, rip the shirt off of him. And then he swerves us. He says, I got you a new one. And hands Sami Zayn an honorary Uso shirt. And the look on Sami Zayn's face is just borderline genuine, like, joy. Like, I loved every second of that. And, you know, he goes and he hugs Roman, and Roman's kind of no-selling it, and he gives him the pat on the back. Crowd goes nuts. I'm 100% convinced that if they wanted to, they can turn the entire bloodline face in, like, a minute. Um, But regardless, we have Sami Zayn, an honorary oos, and then you get that backstage segment where Madcap Moss and Rick O'Shea are talking crap to him and saying, like, oh, you're not really in the bloodline. And Sola Sokoa just beats the piss out of them because they disrespected uh, Sami Zayn. I absolutely love this Sami Zayn, Uso, bloodline, Roman shit. Um, in a sea of unwatchable WWE, uh, this stuff is can't-miss television for me. Yeah, and uh, this is in my things to talk about. Um, I I ended up seeing it on Twitter, as you mentioned. WWE posted the clip, like, from the moment where Roman is, like, kind of laughing at, like, Sammy's behavior. Like, it picks it up from there. You know, I have that YouTube account that I follow, that WWE American Nation, that just posts the entire show up in HD quality, and, like, they don't get popped by World Wrestling Entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, So they had that segment broken up into two parts. Um, and I went back and watched it, and then, of course, three parts with the backstage thing. And they're like, obviously, this even builds from last week on, or the week before on SmackDown, where Solo's going out for his match, and Jimmy and Jay are like, oh, we got you, so we got your back. And Solo's like, no, man, I don't need you guys to come out, whatever, whatever. And then there's a beat, and he goes, Sammy, let's go. Yeah. You know, and like, it's just like this slow build, and I think. Um, you know, obviously Solo's new, he's positioned as a heel, Jimmy and Jay are who they are, you know, there's, they, they have the differences between, you know, uh, with Sammy, but Roman more or less is a baby face. Yeah, he's playing it. just it so every, happens that, like, know. sometimes he'll shit on the crowd, and he's got Paul with him, and he's positioned against baby face challengers. But they don't need to turn Roman heel, because I think at this point, Roman's Roman, they could just position Roman against a heel challenger, and then Roman's just the number one over-the-top babyface. Yeah. Because um, he doesn't, like, a lot of times, and I, I, I haven't seen a Roman match, to be honest with you, in a while. I feel like because I've been skipping a lot of these B-pay-per-views. Um, but, like, he doesn't necessarily have a lot of outside interference in his matches, if that makes sense, or at least as many as I remember, you know? Maybe a little bit of the Usos causing shenanigans, but uh, for the most part, Roman's smashing and stacking people, you know? Uh, they, they are, like, I know the, the, the match of Clash of the Castle, that was the debut. Uh, well, no, listen, all of Roman's matches have, like, some sort of bullshit or chicanery in them. The SummerSlam match uh, was the deal with Brock and the forklift and the Usos running in. The match account Clash of the Castle was Drew running off the Usos and then the debut of Solo Sokoa to break up the pin. 
No. Um, well, I, I got to start watching the product. Now. Yeah, you can start watching wrestling, Adam, for the wrestling <laughs> podcast. Yeah, it's a lifestyle podcast that features wrestling. <laughs> but all of this, I don't think works in the way that it does without Sammy being there as, you know, this outsider, this goofball, this cornball, whatever you want to say about Sammy. But it's his acting, his emoting, his selling of everything that makes it so perfect. And like the fact that he is so over as part of this act if they did decide to go like full heel or full babyface one way or the other it's going to be what way who goes with sammy as who's going to be the baby faces yeah do you think they'd ever get to the point like never under the vince mcmahon regime would this happen but maybe under papa paul or whatever the fuck they're calling him <laughs> like could you see sammy Zayn beating roman reigns for one of those belts nope no nope like, even we, if they just keep building them up, building them up with these great promos over the next, like, six months. Uh, like a no. fluke win. No? All right. No. I thought anything could happen in the world wrestling entertainment. Anything to a point. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, we, we David and I talked about it last week, that if anyone's going to beat Roman for the belt, it's going to be it's gonna be your boy Cody. Not my boy. I don't have the nightmare narcotic in me. Well, listen. You just need some red, white, and blue pills with that logo on it, and you'll be good to go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I I heard you guys say that, and I do agree. That seems like the only person who has been stomped out already. You right. Know? All right, Joe. Well, we overlapped on that. Right. And I have a uh, feeling we're going to overlap on the next thing. Yeah. So uh, Wednesday, I took the trip down to the scary city of Philadelphia. <laughs> the scary. I say that only because uh, DJ and I from We Need Wrestling went down. Get well soon, Brett. Um, you were missed. Um, lady, use your seat as a jacket rest. <laughs> that about. Um, but we went down to Philly on the campus of Temple, the LaCorus Center, home of 2011's Bound for Glo- Glory TNA pay-per-view. Uh, which was the last Hogan versus Sting match. Okay. We we felt the history in the building when we went in there. (laughs) Um, But I I say that because there's a a Twitter account called WrestleTix, T-I-X, right? All right. And they kind of, like, do the tracking of keeping, you know, like, oh, here's, like, on-sale dates, and here's how many seats are available, and things getting sold out, and so on and so forth. And it was just kind of tracking, like, how the tickets were going for this show, where, like, they were opening up seats. Because I would see, like, what the available seating was, and the available seating kept, like, fluctuating between, like, five and Mm 6,000. And then in the last one, it was like, oh, they opened up, like, six seats on the floor, but then they closed off a bunch of seats over here, and, you know, then they opened up the, you know, right. So I'm just, like, kind of following that. And the most recent one that I'd looked at before we left was all these people in the replies like, oh my God, I I would never go to the campus of Temple. Uh, or in Philly, like, oh my, you know what I mean? Like just all these people like clutching their pearls. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, like trouble follows you wherever you go. You know, you can go to the nicest neighborhood of the world and get in trouble. And, you know, say what you will about Philly. There's good areas and bad areas. But even if you're in a bad area, it's very easy to stay out of trouble, you know? 
Yeah. And uh, I mean, if you're going to one of these cities and you're going to a, a huge event, like there's tons and tons of people in the streets, you know, so it's not right. like you're wa- let's cut down this dark alley. <laughs> you know? Right. That's now, D- I will say DJ did say that the last time that he and Brett went down there in April while they were waiting in line, uh, there was a fight between a woman getting off a bus and the bus driver like right in the street. <laughs> That's why I don't ride buses, Joe. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we, so I have to. Oh, you know what? I'll throw the. I'll, I'll save that for the uh, the end of the show because we're talking about the actual event itself. Um, but you know, uh, doors open at six. We get in. Uh, we get to our seats very easily. I ran into a bunch of people um, uh, that were there. Uh, my friend Mike, uh, I bumped into, which is funny because he lives up this way, and I run into him there. Uh, my friend Tom, who's like a published author, and he goes to tons of like anything like in the Northeast, he's at the AEW shows, and uh, I got a chance to uh, commiserate with the Scotty Pippen of Asriel Action Figure Collecting as well. Oh, hey, he's yes, cool. Uh, it was a busy day, of course, with like the travel stuff, uh, but I was very grateful that he took time out of his very busy day uh, of TV, going back and forth to his uh, lovely home. Uh, in that neck of the woods uh, to come over and chat me up for a little bit. But, um, you know, we had Dark, of course, uh, and we had Rampage. You know, I was tweeting stuff out. No spoilers on the results of stuff. Uh, But all in all, this was the first um, wrestling event that I went to that I wasn't a part of Mm -hmm. since, like, the Rumble and uh, NXT doubleheader in Philly. I think that was, like, 2015, maybe. Okay. So it's been a long time, and it was it was fun going to a wrestling show and being a fan, and you know, getting to watch everything. You know, all right. Did, did you feel burned out at all after that watching like basically three shows being recorded? Nah, I like nah. wrestling. Okay, I was just curious. You know, like I, I've never been to a a big taping like that. You know, where it would have just been like, hey. You know, dynamite's over, and you kind of have that natural feeling in your head that you know you just experienced the main event, and it's like, oh, surprise! Here's another hour. You know, mm-hmm. so um, obviously, I did not go. I watched it from the comfort of my living room, um, and I, I, I feel like we might have varying feelings on the show. Maybe we don't. Maybe we do. But Joe, I didn't think it was a very good episode. Um, might have been for me. One of the least enjoyable episodes in a while. And you can say, okay, we're we're coming out of, uh, you know, obviously all the shakeup with the EVPs and, and Phil. And obviously some people might not have made it because of the hurricane. But short of the Wheeler Yuta jumping MJF in the, the skybox, which I loved, and the Bandito-Jericho match was solid. I think there was a lot of cool spots in there. But overall, aside from those two things, I did not like that show. Uh, I mean, the Jericho segment had freaking Pepperoni Jones in it, so that was automatically <laughs> bad. Um, the Soraya segment was just brutal on every level. Um, and I'm looking at that, and I'm like, is that every babyface female in the ring that's not injured or in Japan? I'm like, it might be. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, you know, shout out Willow Nightingale. Good for her. Sign her. But, like, you had Sky Blue and Athena and Tony Storm, and I'm like, I couldn't name any other females uh again that that weren't out hurts or in japan and i'm like man they don't have a deep roster uh and then i'm like soraya was just terrible and 
there wasn't a match on there that was compelling. And like, I'm watching that show and I'm like, man, if I was there, I would have been miserable, but maybe the live experience was different. And that's why I ask the live experience was definitely different. Um, yeah. you know, obviously they set up pretty far in advance. So there's time in between stuff, you know, cause like dark was done taping. Oh boy. Um, dark would have been done taping maybe like around like quarter to eight, you know, because mm-hmm. they had to flip and, like, get all the banners and everything else and set up all the Jericho shit, right? Yeah. Um, and I was tweeting stuff out, and there was a uh, an MJF promo that they played three times in a row of essentially just him shitting on the Eagles, him shitting on the Phillies, and singing the Mets fight song, right? <laughs> yeah. Because we showed up, and this felt like when I went to WrestleMania 17 in, in Toronto, and I'm like, I'm like... Every, like, third person is dressed like 80s Hulk Hogan, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, Hogan's going to come out as a baby face in the match with The Rock. No fooling. Like, not every third, but, like, every fifth person was wearing the MJF scarf for this show. Yeah, I saw a lot of them on camera. This was a pro-MJF crowd, so, like, they had to do everything that they could to get the crowd against MJF and them doing the promo and everything else like that. So the Jericho segment was what it was. Um, you know, it's the continuing an angle that I care about, which is the Jericho and Daniel Garcia stuff. And it leads to a match between two of my favorite guys in Brian Danielson and Daddy Magic Matt Menard. Was this a fantastic five-star match? No, but it was a perfectly acceptable TV match. It sets up like future programs with the Blackpool Combat Club and Jericho Appreciation Society. And the fan and like the crowd was super into it, right? Mm-hmm. So I really can't say anything negative about that, you know? Yeah, I mean, when I was watching that promo, I somehow I felt like we were going to get Danielson Garcia versus 3.0. And I think maybe the fact that we didn't get that, I was like, oh, you know? Well, let's 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 stretch things out. We got like another like month and a half before the pay-per-view, you know? Mm. Um, I, I like the Jericho and Wheeler Yuta segment. I know I talked about it last week and I said that the people that were like, oh, Yuta got crushed on the promo there. I thought Yuta, maybe a guy who's talked on national TV, like maybe like this week was his fifth time ever cutting a promo. Last week was his first time carrying a promo against like the fucking arguably what people say is the best guy. Um, you know, and that's one way or the other. Um, but the the heel stuff worked. Yuta being like a hometown guy and wearing Eagles colors definitely helped to get the crowd behind him and against Max. And like they were like I didn't hear a good chunk of Max's promo because in the crowd they were chanting "Shut the fuck at him, shut the fuck up at him" the whole time. Mm-hmm. Some uh, of that like caught up on on the mic too, you know. Right. Uh, so then we get so Mox versus Juice Robinson was a good match. But because the crowd had no idea who Juice Robinson was, and they did show the pro, like the thing that was on the YouTube channel for the crowd ahead of time, like before even Dark started. But like our section was like, we don't give a shit, you know? Yeah. And like as a Japanese wrestling aficionado, like I've seen their match in New Japan, and this was just like a, a cookie cutter, like house show, watered down version. I hated that match. Okay. It was almost like Juice got some stuff in, but it definitely felt like a mock uh, squisher, you know? Sure. But it's all in service of setting up, you know, what is it? Like next week or the week after, which is Hangman versus Mox, which Hangman coming out got a huge reaction. 
and then MJF up in the skybox and Wheeler getting his hands on him got a huge reaction as well. So the end of the segment, match notwithstanding, the end of the segment ends up like kind of elevating everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jericho and Bandito, and I'm saving something for last on purpose. Uh, Jericho and Bandito was good, right? Mm-hmm. But you could really tell live, and I tweeted this, and I didn't want to like come right out and say it, but Jericho was just calling spots the whole time. Like, he was just talking to Bandito, like, he talked Bandito through that whole match. And the early part of the match was real awkward. And like I said, I didn't see it on TV, but live, there's a bit where they're fighting outside, right? Mm-hmm. And they kind of square up. And Jericho, like, kind of tenses his body. And then what felt like much longer, but was maybe, like, five to seven seconds, he's just there talking to Bandito. Okay. And Bandito's just kind of, like, not doing anything. And then Bandito, like, Jericho then, like, tenses up his body, and then Jer- then Bandito starts hitting him, right? He was trash-talking. Yeah, Jer- he didn't like what kind of cologne he was wearing. And then when uh, Jericho told him what it was, Bandito hit him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they get back into the ring and like Bandino's in the center of the ring and he's just standing there and then Jericho very slowly climbs to the top rope and then stands in the top rope and then jumps into the middle of the ring to do a flying nothing and then Bandito gives him a super kick mm-hmm. and I'm like oh, okay it's like it just happens. Like sometimes some guys just don't have chemistry, but like once they got through that and they got on the same page and whatever the issue was, and there's language issues and I'm sure Jericho from his time in Mexico, whatever, but it just took them a little while to get going. But once they got going, they got going. It was great. Right. Yeah. 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 When it was connecting, it was connecting, you know? Yes. Um, and then of course, nothing could prepare you or save you from the page segment. And again, Soraya, whatever she's page. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she stinks. Um, she never connected with me in WWE, and I know she connected with people in WWE, that fan base who came up watching that stuff of her transition from the Divas stuff to the Women's Revolution stuff, uh, leaning way too heavy on WWE stuff of like, oh, people actually listen to me here. Um I didn't get to hear her on commentary, but I can't imagine it was good. No. <laughs> um, and then, you know, her big thing for women's revolution is, is the eight women that they had available that weren't in the match. They were lumberjacks in a match. Well, everybody gets on TV. Yay. <laughs> um, and we'll get back to that in a second, but live. Uh, so, um, Serena Deeb is a very competent wrestler. She's very good. Um, but she lost all of her connection with the audience when she cut that live promo leading up to the match with Thunder Rosa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whatever mystique she had, whatever, whatever she had, it was gone. She could still go in the ring, but she looked really bad in this match. Like live, you could see there was like tons of daylight on her strikes. Nothing was connecting right. Um, she was out of position a ton, but nobody's going to remember any of that because fucking Tony gives her the storm zero off the top rope and kills her. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so on the way home from the show, DJ and I were talking, like, I think the entire, like two hour ride home was us just talking about this segment and the women's division. (laughs) 
big Sarai I get, fan. I get what they were going for, but their biggest problem is so many people are hurt. So many people are in Japan. Yeah. And there's nothing they can do. You can't have Abaddon, who wrestles on Dark, come out as just like the eighth body amongst a bunch of other people, right? Yeah. Um, they were so short on the women's babyface side that they have to send Madison Rain out as part of the group, right? Mm-hmm. And I think with, you know, everyone being hurt, because, um, like, we're going through, we're like, and this person, and this person. Like, we went through, like, six people on the women's roster that are currently hurt. It's crazy. Um, and I think less Paige coming in and more how many people are hurt is why they kind of held off on the Jamie Hayter uh, babyface turn because Jamie Hayter was super over, right? Mm-hmm. And Paige is doing her boring promo. And this was one of the better Brit promos. And again, I don't want to expose her, but like live, the crowd was into her doing the DMD stuff but did not give a shit about the rest of her stuff. It could be a Philly versus Pittsburgh thing. Because (laughs) once she did the DMD thing and everyone did it along with her, and then she just kept droning on and on and on, everybody just started chanting for Jamie Hayter. Yeah. I mean, AEW fans and wrestling fans in general like to get a good chant going, or a catchphrase, you know? They like like singing the hits. (laughs) Right. So... If they turn Jamie Hayter face, okay, and let's say Paige is in the in the story, okay, so they turn Jamie Hayter face, and she wrestles uh, Britt, right? Mm-hmm. Then what? Who does she wrestle after that? It's tough because, like, and this has been covered a lot, like over on We Need Wrestling and other shows, is that AEW painted themselves into the corner with having their most dominant, unstoppable force in the women's division, having the the secondary belt. You know, like they need to somehow rearrange all of that and somehow yes. get, uh, you know, uh, have the TNT title be for the guys that are the girls that aren't, you know, undefeated. You know, so it's hard when you have Jade Cargill uh, being the, the top female in the division, but having the secondary belt. She needs to do a Goldberg where she wins the world title and have them like oh you can't have them both you have to give up the tnt dot title just kind of mix up the dynamic because it, it just doesn't make any sense because she's beating everybody and you're not going to have her beat the people that are in the mix for the world title you're not going to have her beat Britt baker or you're not going to have her beat you know tony storm so you need to somehow elevate her so she can go in there and, and work with the top people you know there's only so many times she can beat up another random baddie you know in training Right, or Diamante, or whomever, right? Yeah. So I think there are people that Jade can beat, but they need to get a definitive plan, okay? Mm. Um, You know, earlier in the year, before we knew what we knew, I would emailed DJ and Brett just talking of, like, here would be my six-month plan to get us from where we are to get us to uh, all out, where it would be, at the time, Thunder Rosa as the the women's champ, Against Jade is the TNT champ, and it's the two of them. Jade is more or less babyface at this point. You have Jade win, but obviously now where do you go from there? And this is before we know everything that we know about Thunder Rosa and everything that we kind of sort of know about Jade but don't talk about about Jade. So they are in a rough spot, but I think the biggest problem is is that so many people are hurt. 
or somebody and like a bunch of the crew are back in Japan. They need to do a better job of getting that definitive roster and doing a better job at mixing them up. I'm with you 100%. And I don't think Soraya is the answer. No. Plus, I mean, I hope she's healthy, but how how much can she go? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, she she mentions that in her promo, and I jokingly said, I'm like, AEW will clear anyone. <laughs> and I would guarantee you... Um, we're going to see her in multi-person matches before you see her in t- a singles match mm-hmm. uh, for a very, very long time. Um, and I know DJ, like when they all, all the women were out there and DJ's like, oh, are they going to set up like a multi-person match or a War Games type match for the pay-per-view or something? And they set up the Lumberjack match. And he's like, Ugh. I'm like, well, you could still do the War Games match, you know? And like, well, here's who we got. And like, we booked it in the car coming home, you know? I sent it to Tony, and we'll see what happens, you know? Yeah. Plus, like, between the neck injury and the fact that since she last wrestled, she's, like, 50% new parts. Right, right. There's there's been a lot of modifications and enhancements. You don't know how that's going to all hold up. Sure, but I think, you know, they could figure figure that out. I, you know, I don't think they're going to throw her to the wolves immediately, you know? Mm -hmm. She's not going to be wrestling Athena, let's say. Like... If anything, she might be wrestling Rebel in her first match. <laughs> if you catch yeah. my drift. Yeah. So overall, would you recommend going to uh, another Dynamite slash Rampage taping? Absolutely. Yeah. Did you do um, any, did you buy any merch? Did you do any meet and greets? No. Uh, so the meet and greets, uh, we got there a little bit too late for. Not that I would do it anyway. Um and then the merch, they didn't have, like, super fat guy sizes, which I need, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I was zooming in on some of the pictures that you had posted. There was nothing that I'd be interested in either, you know? Yeah, and, like, I didn't – like, I just kind of took a picture. So I took the picture, and I guess the picture of the shirts because of Young Ed got a little bit of traction on Red Edit. The fact <laughs> that they had three punk shirts and no, like, Kenny or the Buck shirts – yeah, But then people were saying, like, well, that's the normal thing at a- AEW shows. Like, I guess at All In this past year, um, for the pay-per-view itself, they literally had no people shirts. They just had all different variations of the AEW logo shirt. Yeah. And I feel like just, you know, again, devil's advocate, like, Kenny Omega and Buck stuff has been on sale at every AEW show for years. And, like, CM Punk is a new shiny toy, you know? Yeah. Um, but not that, like, if they had the, uh, cause there's the FTR shirt that is, um, that's a, like, they don't sell it online, you can only get it live events, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I need 3X, cause I'm a fat guy, and they only had 2X, and the guy's like, oh, they're pretty big, let me show you, and I'm like, they're in fucking pro wrestling tees, one hour tee sh- boxes, I know what your fucking shirts look like, I'm good, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm already making the sacrifice to to even consider buying one of your sandpaper <laughs> shirts. Don't try yeah. to sell me that your two X's run large. I know they don't fucking run large. I'm not an idiot. This is my first day on the job, you know? Yeah, you should see if Pro Wrestling Tees will sell you, like, a one-of-one one shirt on whatnot for, like, 200 bucks. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> do you see that? Do. do you see any of that opportunity? Not to get off topic, but... No, no I, the, only, the only whatnot I follow is uh, Rob Liefeld's. <laughs> Fair enough. You should keep it that way. But pro wrestling tees on their whatnot um, would do these things, and I'll, I'll just like 
for example, they don't have WWF stuff, but let's say the NWO shirt, obviously famously in black, right? Black with with white letters. They were doing a thing on their whatnot where they'd be like, oh, we're making an NWO shirt, but on a blue background. And it's a one of one. We're only going to make one of these shirts. And so get this limited opportunity to get the only one in existence. And they were selling for like 200 bucks because it's a one of one shirt, Joe. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fucking opportunists. Anyways, pro Listen, wrestling. there's there's several people out there that are doing cool. I don't want to say bootleg shirts, but mm. they're doing like uh, reprints of some of the more famous shirts from the '90s. Yeah, and maybe shirts that never got in the wide distribution of the '90s, and like they sell them for like thirty-five bucks, maybe forty bucks shipped. And they usually print them through our good friends at the LVAC. So I don't know if you know where to look for those sort of things. They're not there's not like a website that you can go to, but there is if you're on their <laughs> mailing lists, right? Yeah, yeah. Word support, of mouth. <laughs> yeah, support those people instead of pro wrestling teams. Yeah. All right. But like I said, overall, you enjoyed the show. I did. Yeah. The live experiences, obviously, you can go to a shindy and have a great time if the crowd's fun, you know? I, listen, I love professional wrestling. I have a good time anytime that I go to wrestling. Um, so this was wrestling, you know? Like, I'm sad there was no Eddie. Uh, OC was just like the closing goof around segment. No Ethan Page. Um, you know, know a lot of my favorites, but I understand there was travel issues, you know, with mm-hmm. people coming out of Florida. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm sure the next one will be better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, pay-per-view in the neck of our woods coming up soon. So you never know. Maybe, maybe more on that later as well. Oh, all right. Uh, so speaking of AEW, speaking of their roster, speaking of all this, a couple weeks ago, you know, when all the punk and young bucks and Kenny Omega stuff was coming out, uh, there was a quote that was attributed to Kenny Omega where he said that if it was up to him, uh, he wouldn't have hired 80% of the people that were there, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he definitely doesn't contact Meltzer to kind of, you know, change the story that he was just joking around because uh, a good time to say that I wouldn't hi- I wouldn't hire, you know, 150 people that are in this room is during this tense time where there's already contentious nature between everyone. Kenny should have literally read the room and figured out that wouldn't have been the best time to do it, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but as that came out, I said here about two weeks ago on the show, at the time of the roster, you know, uh, 20% is about 36 people, give or take. And I challenged Adam to put together his best and compare with me 36-person roster of the current AEW roster. Absolutely. And I have my list in front of me, and I will say that I I kind of took this as if I'm building a, a brand that I have to, you know, tour with for the next couple years. So I kind sure. of like, I was like, if you're like drafting uh, an NFL expansion team, do you want Tom Brady in the long run? Or, you know, you don't because five years from now, he's going to be like 60. So maybe certain people got left out because I'm like, all right, I'm building to the future. Uh, So keep that in mind that some controversial names got future endeavored from my roster. Um, And and I as well. Yeah. Um, But yeah, man, this was this was hard. I thought that this was going to be easy, that I was going to struggle to 
to get 36 people. But like I had to to make some tough cuts and uh, uh, yeah, I don't know how you want to do this, Joe. Well, again, you know, I, I'm the same way. Um, I, I will say that, you know, we, we did 36. Um, I would say the first 30 were very easy. The last six were a little bit more difficult because like I, I think I had it like 45 was my initial run through. And yeah, it was very Huh? I was going to say that that seems like kind of like what I have because I have a little list of people that I had to cut on the no, side. No, I don't even have, like know? obviously you will, it'll be clear who got caught, but like yeah. my initial thing of just looking at the roster, like I got it down to forty five. Then of that forty five, I was very easy, easy. I'm like, okay, five people can go. Now I got to get rid of four more, and I'm like, oh, that was tough, right? Yeah. So let's start off with our commentary. I assume that our commentary is going to be right in the same ballpark. Maybe, maybe not. Okay. Uh, so you go first. All right. So, uh, I cheated and I have a trio and these, uh, we, we discussed that this does not count against the 36. Right. And like, you know, like referees and backstage interviewers and sure. stuff like that, that doesn't count. I assume everyone's going to say Bryce, yay, Rick, Rick Knox, nay. Yeah. You know, that's a gimme, right? Yeah, we're not. I I didn't pick anybody that's like backstage or anything like that or refs. But uh, my commentary team is Tony Schiavone, Taz, and Chris Jericho because otherwise Jericho would have been cut. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um. So that's an interesting way to get Jericho on your roster. I went with Taz, Schiavone, and Excalibur. Okay. Yeah, Excalibur. Nothing wrong with him. But again, I had a. Uh, otherwise, Jericho would be a future endeavored. So I had to get him in there somewhere. Okay, so let's start from there. I have Jericho as one of my picks. Okay, yeah, not uh, me. Jericho was one of my first guys. Um, that was like a definite thing. Like, you know, as much as we kind of give him shit, if you're trying to build a brand, as you're talking about, uh, Jericho's a good guy to go out there, whether it be doing press, uh, whether it be a good guy on TV that people recognize. And as evident from this past week, you know, a little stumbling, but he could still go. Yeah, Jericho falls into the thing where it's like, okay, I'm building a brand for the future, though, and I only have 36 talents, and they all got to work with each other. We got to fund uh, a world title, a TNT title, a tag division, and I need a lot of workers in there, and I need somebody that's going to be there for me five years from now, ten years from now, and Jericho you know, didn't fit the bill for me there. Okay, but, so I get, I get your thought process going five, ten years from now. Mm-hmm. I did like a little bit of a mix. I have my guys that are your five-year to ten-year guys, but then I have my also guys like Jericho kind of fits into this and a couple other people that are here to help get those because your new guys need old people to work with to help them get better. No, I have a a handful of what you can consider olds. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's go with uh, who would be first on your uh, list there. All right, well, if I'm starting at the very tippy-top, number one pick, Orange Cassidy. I okay, I got oh, like a, a gimme. Or OC's yeah. on my list as well. Yeah, uh, Eddie Kingston. Uh, Eddie, 100% on my list. Yeah, so I mean, Eddie Kingston right there, maybe not somebody that is going to be your in-ring workhorse 10 years from now. He could be your guy that's going to teach the young guys, you know? So, like, there are people like that on my roster, but Jericho didn't make it, you know? Right, I get you. Yeah. I'm highlighting people as I name them on on mine here. So what what about a name or two from you? Okay, so uh, maybe a controversial pick. I went with Punk. See, I left off CM Punk uh, only because, uh, again, with the mindset of the future. Um, But yeah, I had to leave him off of mine. See, Punk is in that same group with me. 
uh, with like Jericho, where yeah. we can maybe get another year or two out of him in ring, and then he could be like a special attraction. Yeah, noted Phil from Chicago fan, Joe. Of Spokes, course, though. yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, I think we both have Brian Danielson. Yes. All right. And again, so Danielson's another guy that could be in that same ballpark as Punk, but I think Danielson has a lot more of the tank than Punk does. Yeah. Um, and I'll throw another one and send it over to you, John Moxley, obviously. Uh, Moxley did. Yes, Moxley definitely 100% on my list. Ooh, I thought you were going to swerve me there and say you didn't make it. Oh, no, no. I did. I, well, again, we'll get into it a little bit yeah. later because a lot of the people I have on my list just is like their first and last name. Like, I just have their last names, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, like, I'm like, well, why do I have two pages on my list? Oh, that's right, because I have Ethan Page and Hangman Adam Page. So I got to specifically go in there and put their first names so I know who I have. Yep, I have obviously Ethan Page and Hangman Page. So that's okay. uh, those are some gimmies. Um, we might, uh, maybe, we'll overlap on one of these two. I'm going to name them just as a bundle here: Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. No. So uh, Adam Cole was a 100% no for me. Um, he's just never been a guy that connects with me. Um, Kyle O'Reilly was one of my last four that almost made. Like, if we were doing 40 as opposed to 36, Kyle would have been on my list, but he missed the cut. Okay. Well, see, that this is why we're not going to have the same exact list, those guys. So what I was doing is I was making a list from memory, and mm-hmm. I got uh, – I'm looking at it here. I got 23 people off the top of my head. And then I had to go to the roster page, and Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly were the fifth and sixth people I wrote down. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, what else you got? Okay, well, let's get some of the ladies in there, and I think some of the ladies, for the most part, are going to be no surprise. Um, my linchpin of the division would be um, Chris Statlander and Jamie Hayter. Uh, I do not have Chris Statlander on my roster at all. Wow. I have Jamie Hayter. Jamie Hayter is anchoring my six-woman division. <laughs> uh, so my women's division is, I have eight. Okay. Um, and, like, my thought process there was the eight women that were in the ring on Dynamite this week, you know? Yeah, so you your know, other like, people are Soraya and... <laughs> yeah. Um, so all right, like, I'll let just... Me get, let me get good, eight good ones, right? Injuries be damned, you know? Yeah, I only... I'm sorry, I have five women. I, I miscounted here. Whew. Um. Yeah, I know. I had six, but again, I had to cut one at the end. <laughs> right. Uh, I apologize to the Women's Revolution. Uh, Ty Mello and Anna Jay. Uh, I got Ty. Let's get her back in the ring. Uh, I got no on Anna Jay. She still needs a lot of work. Uh, she can go away, learn a new hold, and come back. Building for the future. Building for the future. All right, right. what do you got? <laughs> uh, so Okay, so let's see. You know what? Let's talk about building toward the future. Uh, I got Hook. Hook did not make it, but he was just outside for me. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, like I said, I think Hook is somebody who right now is your quote-unquote uh, – I limited myself to one quote-unquote meme wrestler, and it was Hook. See, my meme wrestler was Danhausen. Danhausen was one of the last four. Uh, he, If we were doing 40, he would have been on my list. Yeah, I had to keep him on there. Yep. Um, you know, obviously we got Jer- – I have Jericho – um and you know whatever my opinion of him on the show is and has been uh i would still go with mjf as my lead heel i also have mjf on here not my favorite guy but again young dude crowd loves him gotta keep him you know 
Um, I am going to go with somebody who may or may not be on your list, and I'm going to say Kenny Omega. Kenny, not on my list. Wow. The best bout machine didn't make your list. No, Danielson's on there. <laughs> Eddie's on there. Okay. All right, we'll overlap on this, Claudio. Claudio, of course. Um, so pretty much all of the uh, Blackpool Combat Club makes it for me. Uh, I picked Wheeler Yuta. Um, you know, I got Claudio. Um, I and I got you know, looking to the future. I got Daniel Garcia. I did not pick up William Regal. I do not have Regal. I do not have Wheeler Yuta. Uh huh. But I do have Daniel Garcia. Of course. Um, so it was tough. Yuta was one of those guys that was just outside. Yep. And uh, Regal is uh, one of three outside the ring personalities that I had to drop off the thing. So um, I will say I do have FTR hair and FTR bald. Yes. Uh, okay. So I have them as well. I have a two, three, four, like definitive clear cut tag teams. And then like, obviously like you could throw a group of like Blackpool combat club guys together. You could throw these two guys together, but you know, FTR would be the linchpins of my tag team division. Yeah. I don't have a lot of tag teams. Um, I had to actually cut some people that I really wanted to keep on my top 36, uh, in order, in order to, uh, surprisingly to put in Max Caster and Anthony Bowens because they almost got cut. Really? Okay, so I got I got list. them as like if FTR are your heels, these are your baby face. Ah, just knocked everything over on my desk. I apologize, <laughs> but yeah, they're they're your baby faces. All right. Um, I well, speaking of tag teams, Cool Hand Ange and Daddy Magic. Yep. Um, you know, in my world, they're still aligned with Jericho. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, whether they do as like six mans or we could figure like filtering different people in and out of the group, but they would be there. They're on mine. Uh, I do have, uh, powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks together as a tag team, uh, baby face tag team. I guess I still have them together in my world, you know, to get them onto the show. But again, we could very easily break them up if need be. I did break them up, and I'm ashamed to say I kept Ricky Starks, but I had a future endeavor powerhouse Hobbs. Oh my goodness! Look at Again, you. There's there's tough cuts. I mean, I encourage anybody to do this at home. It's hard to get 36 people. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you give me somebody else. I have the Redeemer Miro. I passed on Miro. Oh, uh, Miro. Sure. M- Miro was like uh, uh, Miro was a guy that never clicked for me in WWE. Like I understand that he was good, never clicked for me. Um, his AEW stuff has just been too inconsistent. See, I I I would keep him on the show just so you can call God a pussy. Like that's the best. <laughs> good <thing>. lord. <laughs> uh, so you know what? Let's talk about some of the other women. You know, I mentioned I got Statlander and Hater on mine. Uh, the next group right underneath them. Uh, would be Tony Storm and Ruby Soho, wherever you slot them in. I have Tony Storm, Ruby Soho, uh, unfortunately not even a thought in my draft. Wow. In my selection. Uh, out of sight, out of mind, plus they just, she's never really done anything since she showed up. Uh, yeah. But Tony Storm is uh, on my women's division, and making the fifth and final spot is Sky Blue. <laughs> well, <laughs> listen. Sometimes you gotta... You got to go with the heart, you know? <laughs> I guess. So Sky Blue, not even a thought for me. 
Uh, and I think the rest of mine are pretty much layups. Uh, you got Athena. I'm sad that you did not pick Willow Nightingale, but again, well, Willow's not signed. Okay, so again, I, I, so technically, Willow Yuta's not signed. There's a lot of guys that never got the graphic. I went with guys or girls that are that are and have been predominantly featured on TV, and that's why I went with Willow. I'm signing her over someone that isn't uh, contracted, you know, or that I is contracted. You. So on AEW's website under roster, Wheeler mm-hmm. Yuta is on the roster page while Willow Nightingale is not. So that's okay. my distinction. You know what I'm saying? Well, this were, we, we, there's maybe one or two other picks that we might uh, differentiate on then. Gotcha. No, no, I mean, I I probably would have taken Willow, yeah. you know, and bumped somebody if, like, she was, if I in my mind she was available to me. Right. Um, and then uh, uh, Sheeta would be the other one to round out my women's division. Um, Sheeta was in my initial grouping, but I had to cut her. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't give up Sky Blue, you know? Oh, yeah, I, I, I get it. I do. You know, just the potential there. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, you know what? Sky Blue is, is in the States every week working. Sheeta goes back home. You know, I'm looking for availability, you know? Right. Well, I'm in, in my AEW, whatever money's freed up from the other 150 people that I didn't sign, I'm making it a priority to keep Sheeta in the States. Fair enough. All right. So I, I think uh, we might not overlap on any of these. And, uh,. Quite possibly, they might not all be on the roster page for very long, but I took all three members of the House of Black. I don't care. I fucking love them all. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I didn't go with any of them. Um, no, not even a Brody King guy? Brody King's okay. He was on my, like, he would have been, like, on my initial 45. Yeah, um, no, I, I Alistair Black days. and Buddy Murphy are just guys. Like, they don't move the needle for me, you know? Yeah. No, I get it, but I'm I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Right. It's a shame so, to see that bit ending, but... I'm, so I'm going to go with uh, two guys that I am looking to build toward. One would be uh, Jungle Boy. Uh, I think Jungle Boy has a lot of potential. They just kind of keep fumbling him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Takeshita. I know he's not signed, but his little excursion that he had uh, in AEW um, was huge. Uh, he is coming back starting next month, uh, and I say next month, like a week from now, and there's already been intimations made that they are going to sign him and that he's going to stay uh, on the AEW roster, and I'm making that dream a reality. Gotcha, yeah. So obviously Takeshi is not on my radar because he's not on the roster page. Sure. Uh, Jungle Boy, not on my roster, but one of the people that uh, almost made it. Right. Um. Who did make it is the bastard Pac. Uh, Pac, another one. You know, I, I know we sit here and I'm saying like, oh, I'm, I'm making Takeshi a priority to stay in the States. I'm making Sheeta a priority to stay in the States. <laughs> Pac, eh, when he's available, he can come in and do <laughs> matches here and there. But I'm not. he's not one of the lucky 36. Fair enough. Uh, I'll do a controversial pick here. And you have to kind of take off your recency bias and maybe... Uh, forget some of the backstage kerfuffles, but I have Sammy Guevara on here. Um, Sammy is dan- like, so I mentioned before about Jungle Boy has a lot of potential. They just kind of keep fumbling them. Mm. Where Sammy, I think, is so far damaged, I look at him and I just see a nothing. Okay. I know that the kid has and had potential, but when I look at him, it's just like he's too broken. He's a broken toy. I can fix them on my roster. Don't worry. Okay. 
<laughs> so someone that I would slot into wherever that situation would be. You know, I talked about MJF would be my lead heel. You're talking about like you need a secondary heel, maybe to feud with for the TNT title or something like, like that. Uh, that's uh, Swerve Strickland. Swerve is also on my list because Swerve's cool as hell. Right. Uh, Keith, Keith Lee is not. No, I, Keith Lee's a guy I get. I like him. He's good. He was probably on my 45. Yeah. Uh, I will say the only member of the Dark Order that is on my roster is Johnny Hungy, John Silver. John John Silver didn't make it. He was like the he was like the forty, you know. Oh. Um, I had like I had the thought of him and Reynolds as like that fifth uh, definitive tag team, and uh, like I said, if we were doing forty, they might have made it. Okay. Uh, now again, we got Swerve, and I got the idea in my head. You know, you have the firm and everything else like that. MJF kind of needs to be an island unto himself. You got Jericho with uh, 2.0. Uh, Swerve, I see him as part of a stable. Uh, and even just a stable of a couple guys, I, I got Stokely Hathaway with him. Mm-hmm. And in the W. Morrissey role, I have uh, The Butcher. Oh, see, I didn't think about taking The Butcher on his own. See, in my mind, him and The Blade are a package deal, and I couldn't bundle them into my roster. Uh, the Butcher is on the outside looking in. And Stokely Hathaway, also not on my list. I'm sorry. Sorry, it's not happening. Wow. I had to put I kept the best manager in AEW and that's Smart Mark Sterling. Uh-huh. I kept the one that's actually a real lawyer, not a, not a yeah? state representative, you know? He's Mark is a real lawyer? Yeah. <laughs> I got a business card that says so. Mhm. I'll put but, one uh, yeah. that says you're a real lawyer too, you know. <laughs> But yeah, I have Regal, Stokely, and, and Sterling. They were all written down, but sorry, tough cuts. Um, I only have two names left, Joe, before we finish it up. How many do you have left? I got two left. All right. Uh, I'm going to say one of them is uh, Samoa Joe. I got Samoan Joe as well. Uh, Samoan Joe is another one of those guys where he's a special attraction. He's an end boss type character. He's, you know, maybe you see him wrestle once every two months. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, like he's the hired gun person on like the babyface side of things, but he could very easily be brought in as like a heel side of things, you know, kind of like a Brock Lesnar, you know. Yeah, there you go. But uh, and my last person, I kind of debated on this one because this one I could not decide between Wardlow or Darby Allen. Uh, I just went with just the spectacle of seeing Darby throw himself at somebody full speed, and Darby Allen's my last guy. So. Uh, Wardlow wasn't on my like Wardlow was on like my 45 mm-hmm. um but he got cut pretty quick um Darby wasn't even a consideration for me but you know when you put up a poster that AEW is coming to town and you want to put some of your fresh fresh faces on there that's cool but you want people you want a good mix of people coming to check out your wrestling front and center on your poster coming to town does not hurt to have punk does not hurt to have OC, does not hurt to have Jericho, and it does not have hurt to have this guy, and it's Sting! <laughs> Speaking of people that you can't rely on to be there in a year or two, God. Well, that's just, okay, so Sting is my undertaker. Yeah, I you know, get it. He, he makes appearances, he's a face that you put on posters, he comes out as, like, you want to treat him as 
the 97 98 sting where he's just constantly watching like as people are like fucking up there and if joe is your hired gun brock lesnar type sting is your undertaker yeah a valid case can be made for either one of them you know right or for that first thing but uh yeah, a lot of big names left off of both of our lists. Neither yep. one of us took the Young Bucks. How about that? What, what a surprise! <laughs> uh, Lucha Brothers, uh, surprise, I think. Like, good team. Like, again, they're good. Like, I'm severely under, uh, like, underrepresented with Lucha, and a lot of it just kind of shows to my, I wouldn't say bias, but, like, my lack of knowledge of Lucha, you know? Like, yeah. I'm sure there's guys that are better, and if I had made this list, uh, like if I, I started this list today as opposed to two weeks ago, Bandito might have been on my list, you know? Yeah. Well, is Bandito well, signed either? You know, so uh, that's Bandito thing. officially wasn't signed, but uh, his hug and love affair <laughs> that he had with Tony when the cameras went off, uh, I would have to say that he's probably going to get signed. Fair enough. Uh, I, I don't remember. Did you take Britt Baker at all? Um, no, no, I'm not yeah, a Britt so, Baker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like trying to take all bias out of it. Neither one of us took Britt Baker. Neither one of us took Jade Cargill. Uh, the best friends other than Orange Cassidy, they're all left outside looking in. But it's interesting. I think we had like maybe 70% overlap. You know, somebody do the um, math on it. Right. Of the 36 that I took, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, you did not. Oh, but so again, half. we lined up on 22. <laughs> that's over half. Okay. Um, You know. Interesting exercise. It was difficult, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's, let us know who you thought put, put together a, a better roster. Who's If 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 Adam's AEW or my AEW comes to town, who who's are you going to go see? Oh, geez. Here comes the fucking Sposto Sicko fans. <laughs> I wonder which one DeWicky's going to pick. God. Well, listen, you and your... Well, again, (laughs) I know you definitely got two votes, you and Artie, but other than that, I think you're sunk. (laughs) I know. Uh, At least, you know, the best thing is that my... Both of our... I can't speak for you where you rank them, but when I was writing out my list, number one and number two, Orange Cassidy and Eddie Kingston, you know? Um, Like I said, you know, know, Eddie and OC and Ethan Page... And uh, like 2.0 and like guys like that, like, again, I, guys that I'm friends with, they immediately made the list. But then, like, I was just kind of like moving things around. I'm like, I'm going to put all the women together. I'm going to put who I'm putting as the tag teams together and then just kind of like piece and everything else together from my list there, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, um, congratulations on second place. All right. <laughs> We're not going to put it to a vote. That's it. It's done. I just wanted to. It was a fun exercise, I thought. No, absolutely. We'll do it next week with WWE. No. <laughs> uh, TNA let, wrestling. May, the- maybe, maybe. <laughs> you can only pick six. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> uh, I'm lost. Robert Evans count? No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, let's get into uh, Adam's homework from last week. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. 
Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. So even though he was not here this week, Adam assigned homework, and he assigned following up on his previous the previous assignment of the Russo-Bischoff Nitro from April 10th, 2000. He did the follow-up Nitro April 17th, 2000, uh, which is available on the award-winning World Wrestling Entertainment Network. Um, if you did not get a chance to watch it, you can go check out our friend Kevin's blog, maskedlibrary.com, and you can read up on it. Uh, and Adam, I'm going to have to chastise you a bit for this. Shame, shame. Uh-oh, what I do? So, uh, the the J- April 10th Nitro is very fresh in my head. We watched it less than a month ago. Yeah. And I get your thought process of like, oh, well, I'll just put the next Nitro, right? Did you forget that there was a thunder that completely shakes up the roster that happens and then a pay-per-view that happens that completely shakes things up from where we were a week beforehand? Uh, I did not. Um, (laughs) And obviously, if we wanted, uh, and who wouldn't at this point, to follow just the overarching story of WCW 2000, you can't hit every beat, Joe. We'll be at this for six years. So, uh I honestly didn't give Thunder any mind. I thought about assigning the pay-per-view, but I figure even if we, let's say hypothetically down the road, we were to visit the next episode of Nitro, it's going to be completely different and it's not going to make any sense because you missed a Thunder. So I think that's part of the charm of it is that you are one week apart and they're going to drop storylines. They're going to start storylines and it's almost intentional. Yes. Plus, uh, again, I didn't pick this. DeWiki picked it. Anyway. <laughs> I gave him the option, and this is the one he selected. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. So it, it, let's say hypothetically what's seven days from the 23rd. April 23rd would be the next. No, 24th would be the next one. Math is hard. Uh, I guarantee you it's not like they're going to mention anything that happened in this episode. Okay. So and and if you were to do this. Mm-hmm. And again, spoilers, everyone, but David Arquette wins the title on an episode of Thunder. So would you just skip over that and just be like, well, like all of a sudden David Arquette's the world champion, right? We'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll, 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 I'll put a link to an event center, you know? <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Anyway. All right. Uh, so the show starts with a recap of uh, Spring Stampede, and they're they're just showing stills, Okay. Yeah, courtesy of WCW Magazine. And this is something that I learned from our good friends over at Between the Sheets, that back in this era, if you remember, when they would do the pay-per-views, the night after the pay-per-view, they would really be pushing you on buying the replay, right? Yeah, that felt so weird. Like, because it's... They don't obviously do that anymore, no. but I'm like, oh man, like I remember this happening all the time. They wouldn't give like, it, it's weird that WWE does it now. They give you like little motions, but then yep. you don't see the big finishes because they're like, oh, go sign up for Peacock. Like fucking show us this shit already. It's old news. <laughs> so the, the deal with it back then was their deals with the uh, pay-per-view companies was that they couldn't show any of the actual clips or footage. Mm. Um, because they had to give it like a week to sell the replays and everything else like that before they start showing actual clips from the pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, so we see that uh, Double J won the world title tournament 
after Kimberly Page, for no reason, turns heel on Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> yep. So uh, we get Russo and Bischoff telling us uh, security is locking up the building, making sure that nobody else can get in. Um, because that tonight is going to be a new blood invited guests only party, right? Nobody else could get in, which I guess logically means nobody else could get out. So even the fans are all trapped in, locked um, in tight. Yep. <laughs> and uh, again, a loophole that Vince Russo could have, should have, would have gotten around is the infamous. Well, we'll just buy a ticket and be in the crowd, sort of thing. They could have did that, right? Ooh, would they be able to flick the ticket? Yeah, they would legally have to. <laughs> Uh, so the new blood comes out and there's like red confetti, red balloons, the fans are popping the balloons. So during the entire promo, you're hearing all this noise and everything. And Russo is celebrating with his blueprint of an MJF promo that he cuts, (laughs) even wearing a Mets jersey and everything. It was a Yankee jersey. Same difference. (laughs) Oh, all right. But, so that's the thing. He's wearing a Yankees jersey here. I, that's what it was. The night before in the pay-per-view, he was wearing a Mets jersey, you know? Okay. Uh, I would have known it was real if he was wearing a Giants jersey. That's when you know it's a shoot, brother. Right. So at the pay-per-view, the New Blood captured all the titles except for one and were introduced to the newest acquisitions to the New Blood, the Cruiserweight champion Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch. Uh, Russo mentions that to Chris that he told them there would be sunny days ahead. <laughs> uh, for you inside the dirt sheet readers, and uh, while this was not sunny at height of her powers, it's height of powers. Ad- it's height of powers adjacent. It's height of powers adjacent, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they uh, cut a promo uh, burying Jeff Jr. And Double J comes out with his own separate entrance, right? Mm-hmm. Then Double J comes out and cuts a promo on Jr. And mentions that Jr. is sitting on his fat ass in State College for the other company. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, State College for the other company? And Adam, do you remember the Raw that was opposition of this? Of course not. (laughs) This is the, as soon as he said State College and I looked at the date, this is the Raw where Chris Jericho beats Triple H for the world title. Oh, the one where they they had to, like, change it, like, the ref came out and, like, they reversed it, or Triple H made them reverse the decision or whatever? Yes! Okay. So after they brought Jericho into the company back in August of 99, he goes the Intercontinental program, he kind of flounders a bit, this is them finally pulling the trigger and, like, giving Jericho the main event push. Okay, I remember being so hyped and then so sad during that Dude, no fucking shit, man, right? So it was, like, literally... So I could only imagine at the time, right? Um, you know, Nitro, not a lot of people were watching. But literally when JR, or, uh, Jeff Jarrett says this during his promo, I was like, oh, shit, I want to go watch that Raw now. Yeah. <laughs> and not watch this goddamn episode of Nitro. <laughs> well, this is a great episode of Nitro. But um, anything else for that opening? Oh, oh yeah, we're not even close to being done. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> so we're, we're 13 minutes into this segment. Until Scott Hudson notices that the ring is surrounded by helmeted, masked, riot guard people. <laughs> I don't know how, right? Yeah, so, well, they were, uh, they, the balloons were very thick at ringside. Right. You uh, know? Double J does say that tonight he is going to put an open contract up on his door. Uh, and that anyone who's not a millionaire 
can sign the contract and get a world title shot against him tonight. Uh, DDP shows up wearing a Sopranos t-shirt because he's 2000s cool. Uh, <laughs> he beats up the security people, gets into the building. Um, and this is shot so poorly and rushed. Okay. So you have the armed security people there. Russo and Bischoff. Oh, and oh, I forgot that, uh, Russo, uh, fucking, uh, Bischoff and Kimberly get their own separate thing. And they, uh, Kimberly cuts a really bad promo that DDP held her down while Bischoff wanted to, Bischoff wanted to give her everything. I'm sure allegedly he wanted to give her a lot of stuff at the gold room. But <laughs> again, that's another story. Um, I think the Kimberly heel turn gets dropped in less than a month. Yeah. Plus, they um, they set up uh, Jarrett versus DDP in the Ready to Rumble cage. Yes, and the Ready to Rumble cage of the next pay-per-view at Slamboree, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the way that this is supposed to work is DDP comes down. Russo or Bischoff are like, no, no, no. You're not getting through these guys, the SWAT team guys. And the SWAT team guys kind of like come together and make a, mo- make a move. DDP pauses. And then they're supposed to step aside DD or fucking Russo or Bischoff are like, oh, my God, wait a minute. What's going on? The commentators, oh, my God, wait a minute. What's going on? DDP gets in there, starts bipping guys around, and then the SWAT team guys do the reveal, okay? What actually ends up happening is DDP comes out, just walks right by the SWAT team people, gets into the ring, and then within seconds, Lex Luger's already in the ring with his helmet off, not even yes. doing a reveal, Okay. The yeah. whole thing, I was like, oh, god damn it, guys. Like, the, the idea was there, but you all screwed it up. So the SWAT team people are Lex Luger, Sting, and uh, Ric Flair, right? Because Hogan's not going to sully himself to, like, you know, hide in a costume, dude, brother, right? <laughs> yeah, he'll just wear an all-black outfit with a black, like, headband. Right, but that's, I guess, we find out later, that's because... Um, Hulk Hogan was in jail. He was arrested at the pay-per-view, but he gets out and he tells Bischoff that he's going to be there in five minutes. More on that later. So um, the security guys come back. Oh, you know, oh, anything you want to say about this segment before we move on to the next segment? Uh, yeah, so I just uh, for anybody who didn't watch the show, uh, uh, Puff, or not Puff, Jesus, Buff and Franchise are the tag champs. As you mentioned, Candido is a cruiserweight. Uh, Big Papa Pump. Big Papa Pump is the U.S. champ, and Terry Funk spoiled the plans by winning the hardcore title at the pay-per-view. Right, and, and that's—so they get confused on this, that they say, like, Terry Funk, you're not a millionaire. Terry Funk, you're not new blood. You're just an old man who needs to be beat, right? Yeah. But then later in the show, they keep saying that Terry Funk is part of the Millionaire's Club. Yeah, very—it's a rare misstep by WCW's yes. booking <laughs> booking committee. Uh, and the last thing I'll say from that opening promo, by my unofficial count, the word opportunity was said six times. <sighs> <laughs> so uh, we we come back from commercial. Bischoff is in his office. Uh, the security people that he hired have quit. Um, Hogan makes the phone call, but before that. Um, Bischoff is dressing down some members of the roster who are the, I guess, lower level of the new blood. Uh, and that would be Booker T, uh, uh, Hugh Morris, Lash LaRue. It's like, oh, uh, it's like, oh, right. It's, it sounds like I know who's going to come next, right? Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, that sounds like it's the Misfits in action, right? This is how it sets up. Because you remember the Misfits in Action run of Bam Bam Bigelow and Jerry Flynn, right? 
<laughs> if it wasn't for the mass library write-up, I would have never knew that, that was Jerry Flynn. Oh, I still don't. I still don't know who Jerry Flynn is. Lightning foot Jerry Flynn. He wrestled Goldberg like 60 times on TV to bump up the number. I must uh, have skipped he, all 60. <laughs> he runs a he runs a plumbing business in Florida and is very happily away from wrestling. Good for him. <laughs> uh so Bischoff dresses them down, and this is kind of like the beginning of like Booker T like becoming a face because in a very short amount of time like the misfits in action form and booker t becomes gi bro and then he's no longer gi bro by the summer so like within like the next three months like booker t goes through like three full character changes yeah and i i might have caught it through one of the wcw magazine stills but like harlem heat is already like not with booker t right like i i is Big T there yes. at this point? So, yeah, like that's another thing. Is Did we get just the Booker storyline yet? No. So, yeah, pl- plenty of good things coming up. Just all-time classics. Uh, so, next up, we have our first match as Sean Stasiak uh, takes on Kurt Henning. Mm-hmm. Um, during the course of this match, um, they do nothing. They don't talk about the match at all. They talk about Hogan saying that he's going to be here in five minutes. And Scott Hudson says five minutes can mean anything. It could be five minutes. It could be one minute. One. It could be 15 minutes. <laughs> no, I think when you say five minutes, it means five minutes. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and I know that only because the match only goes four minutes. Miss um, <laughs> Hancock is out taking notes during the match. I let out an audible oh shit when that happened. Uh, anytime. <laughs> anytime. Uh Miss Hancock came, comes on TV when I don't expect it. It's a holiday in the, in the Vansky household. <laughs> so it's funny, like, knowing where WCW ends up. Um, so obviously the, the character of – we're not going to go through the entire history of the Miss Hancock character from April yes. of 2000 to March of 2001. We'll save that for the Patreon. But where she ends up is in the dying days of WCW, she's aligned with Sean Stasiak. Yeah. I'd like to think that that was a happy coincidence, not that it was planned from the whole time, right? <laughs> Long-term storytelling. Uh, so this match is filled with nut shots and ref bumps. Um, so Sean Stasiak wins after pulling brass knuckles out of his uh, knee pad. And we're told that there's not no rules in WCW now, but there's relaxed rules. Yeah, except for when there isn't. Except for when there isn't, right. Yeah. <laughs> so the match happens, and then Hogan shows up. Hogan shows up. Um, there's cops there now because the security people that Bischoff hired left. The cops are like, Hulkster, you can't come in, brother. And Hulkster just kind of like motions like he's going to do something. The cops are like, Hulk, you can't come in. Hogan motions like he's going to do something. And then the cops just step aside and let Hogan in. Yeah, because he's a rich white guy. What do you expect? Right. Uh, Hogan comes in, and he he brushes past what WCW's gorilla position would be. And Terry Taylor is very clearly there. More on that later. <laughs> and then Hogan can't figure out how to get through the curtain to come out through the entranceway. Mm. So they cut camera, and you see Hogan come around the side of the entranceway because he couldn't figure out how to get through the curtain. Curtains are hard, man. Give him a break. Yes. Uh, so Hogan runs off. Uh, Sean Stasiak helps his good friend Mr. Perfect up and then cuts what would be the first of many F-U-N-B Terry Bollea promos. 
Uh, the NB stands for New Blood, brother, and you could figure out what the FU stands for, dude. <laughs> I think it stands for fuck you. Um, so he doesn't have FUNB on the back of his shirt just yet, but they make a big deal that this is the first time that Hulk Hogan has ever referred to himself as Terry Bollea on TV. Yeah, and once again, you can tell it's a shoot when they use their real names. Exactly. Uh, so we then cut back from this, and we see someone signing the contract uh, to face to to take on Double J for the open challenge. Uh, this ends up like this was actually like the best part of the show of like who it would be. But if you remember from last week's Nitro, and I'm sure that if you watch Nitro, you watch Thunder, you watch the pay per view, then you watch this Nitro, your head is spinning in that <laughs> seven day window of watching so much stuff, not knowing what the fuck could be going on. But the fact that you know who it ends up being revealed as makes sense in what ends up happening in the greater scheme of all the WCW stuff of this era, right? Yeah, and you're just one thing. Uh, when uh, Hulkster was cutting his promo, Billy Kidman and Tori Wilson came up on the uh, the screen, which I forget what they were calling it, like WCW Vision or something like that. They were Nitro Vision. Nitro Vision, and uh, obviously Hulk went running after to, to to try to find Kidman, and what definitely was a live uh, broadcast and not at all a pre-tape, you know? Uh, you couldn't tell so much here, but you could definitely tell a little bit later on with some of the funky editing, right? Yeah. Uh, so next up, we have hardcore champion Terry Funk taking on It's the Wall Brother. Um, this match is exactly what you would think a 2000-era hardcore match would be. Uh, Terry Funk goes to do the moonsault to the outside. The wall absolutely does not catch him. I guess he lost Terry Funk in the lights. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, Terry Funk drills the wall with a bunch of uh, Really stiff fucking head uh, chair shots to the head. The wall doesn't even bother to put his hands up for. This was back before CT was real, so it's okay. Yeah, it wasn't invented yet. <laughs> right. They brawled to the outside by a stack of tables, and an unseen per- person pushes the stack of tables on the wall, allowing Terry Funk to win. Yeah, I wasn't sure when I was watching that. Like, I saw somebody's head popped out from behind the tables, but I thought it was just some random production person, and it might very well have been. You know, like, it wasn't who is supposedly the mystery table pusher, but, like, I thought, like, for a second that that was just, like, a fuck-up, or, you know, the tables were there for something later, and they ran into them, but... uh, the fact that they're setting up a mystery, I'm like, oh, Jesus, that that's terrible. This is the old, uh, who was the person who grabbed Spider-Man's leg who didn't set off his Spidey sense back in the pre-Venom days, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have here that, like, that top rope moonsault to the outside that Funk did. Uh, Jesus fucking Christ, like, make an attempt to catch this old man. Like, that was... He almost landed on his head. I think like a healthy 20-year-old who has like spongy bones and doesn't get hurt would have gotten hurt from that. Just the fact that that was like a, what, 57-year-old at that time? Maybe? Uh, uh 50, um, yeah, I think it was 57, if I'm doing my gazintas right. I'm funk aficionado here, but, uh. Yeah, that was scary, you know, so, man, and uh, obviously before this, they they set up the fact that uh, Vince Russo fired Dustin Rhodes because uh, Dustin allowed Funk to to win the belt. I think that's who it ends up being, that it ends up being Dustin Rhodes as the mystery person. Well, uh, Kevin said that, like, in his write-up that uh, Dustin doesn't show up again on TV until January. That don't mean anything. 
So they let that story brew for more than a half a year? Yeah. Mystery? All right. Fair enough. Long-term storytelling. Play it. Let it play out. I like it. Right. So uh, Chronic uh, confront Russo, and they say that they want their title shot tonight uh, by helping Russo's new blood people of uh, Buff Bagwell and Shane Douglas win the title. Chronic were promised a tag team title shot, but not a tag team title shot tonight. Uh, so Chronic ends up laying out the Harris brothers backstage, which makes them baby faces. Yeah, then I they that. come out and beat up the Mama Lukes, which also makes them baby faces. Anytime that you beat up Big Vito, who's Vince Russo's real life best friend, that also makes you a baby face. Um, and then while on commentary, uh, Madden goes ahead and spoils most of Chronic's promo that they're going to put people into Chronic pain and Chronic, you know, whatever it is, like fucking Madden just like reads off the bullet points of their promo and then they cut the promo of Madden's bullet uh, bullet points except they do add the line that they have the tag team division quote shaking like sissies at a weenie roast <laughs> see that attitude error you know I'm gonna tell you the, 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 the fucking promos were really raw back then you know which was such a shitty line but I loved it <laughs> And Joe, like, I, I have a question here. It's unrelated to the show, but it's related to Chronic. Like, didn't Chronic have, like, a run in WWE that lasted, like, a week or two it, weeks it, or something like it that? It lasted a month. Oh. Um, Brian Clark was brought in as a favor uh, to his good friend, The Undertaker. Oh, Mark. Yeah. Uh, they they do the program during the invasion angle where it's uh, Undertaker and Kane against Chronic, managed by Stevie Richards. Um, the match that they have at the pay-per-view with Undertaker and Kane surprisingly sucks shit, and then they're uh, fired immediately afterwards. That's a surprise, because Kane and Undertaker, oh man, they put on five-star matches all the time, those guys. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it's funny, you're going to blame the, you know, well, of course you're not going to blame the Undertaker, you're not going to blame no. Kane. Yeah. All right. All right, so next up, Vampiro comes out and cuts a long and rambling promo, yeah. uh, building up building up his feud with Sting, right? Mm. Uh, Sting repels from the rafters, and it sounded like a very hard landing for Sting. Uh, it sounded like he might have come and been coming down real fast, you know? Yeah, that's the second fastest I've ever seen somebody come down from the rafters. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you've ever asked yourself why didn't Vampiro become like a bigger star in the US, just watch that promo. That was fucking okay. bad. <laughs> so not only watch that promo, but like he cuts this promo and then Sting just comes out and beats the shit out of him. And Vampiro yeah. gets like no offense, no comeback, and like Sting literally just beats the shit out of him for five minutes. And it's like, oh well this program's over, I guess. Like Sting just beat the shit out of him, right? Um so uh, uh next up we have DDP taking on Mike Awesome. Um, yeah, there was some backstage stuff. You know, Hogan's still looking for Kidman, and Jeff Jarrett's mad at Vince Russo for the open contract thing that might have been Jarrett's idea to start with. Yeah, none of that's real. But uh, it's during one of these backstage segments with Hogan where he's leaving the building, and Terry Taylor is just getting there. There might be a double doppelganger Terry Taylor. We need to look into this more. One Terry Taylor is too many. Two, I, I barely sit still for one. Two, I definitely won't sit still for. What if the Red Rooster and uh, Terrence Taylor were not the same person? 
or the Taylor made man and terrific Terry Taylor were all different. Like it was the three faces of uh, Paul Taylor. Yeah, like how deep does this go, Joe? Is this like a big family that's like uh, been masquerading as one person all this time? He's been masquerading as something for a while. <laughs> all right, DDP and Mike Awesome. DDP and Mike Awesome is a match, whatever. Um, uh, I forget who runs in, but then like Canyon comes in to attempt to make the save. Canyon gets like a big baby face reaction, which like made my heart feel so good. But then Mike Awesome makes his own comeback. And then Kevin Nash comes out and power bombs Mike Awesome through a table, which effectively ends their feud that was started a week ago. Yeah, because if you think Mike Awesome debuted one week ago as like the ECW champion, and like I get that it's Kevin Nash and everybody loses to Nash because Nash is awesome, but this is week two and you already have Awesome getting kind of buried, you know? So it's like maybe keep Mike Awesome away from like one of your top, top, top guys for a couple weeks. Well, so that's know? the thing. It's like. So Awesome kind of sort of is still figured into the mix at the top of the card. It's just he's no longer figured in with Nash. Yeah. But again, it's week two. Keep fucking just have Awesome beat up all the little cruiserweight guys, the flippy kicky guys. Right. So we get backstage promos to set up Lex Luger taking on not Shane Douglas. He's just called the franchise. He's lost most of his name. And it's set up that it's a singles match. And that they very specifically say, if Russo interferes before the bell rings, then uh, Buff and Franchise lose the tag team titles to uh, Luger and Ric Flair. And the fact that they kept hammering it in that, if Russo interferes before the bell rings, I'm like, are they going to do some bullshit where, like, he interferes before, like, the opening bell? Or, like, they're going to try to ring the bell and somebody stole the bell or something creative like that? No, they're just going to have, like, a walk-in brawl that Lex doesn't sell anything for Shane Douglas for. There's a fan in the crowd who's dressed like Sting that Shane Douglas thinks is Vince Russo because remember last week when Vince Russo was dressed as Sting? Because I don't fucking remember, right? That was on Thunder. Oh, so that was on Thunder, right? So who fucking remembers, right? <laughs> yeah. And the person dressed as Sting ends up being Ric Flair. So twice in one episode of the show, Ric Flair, arguably the most over guy in your company, is doing angles where he's in disguise as something else. <laughs> was it like a, just a man of uh, disguise, many disguises, yeah. And also uh, during this time, we don't get a chance to see it here because he doesn't have a match. We did get it on uh, Nitro and we do get it on the pay-per-view. Uh, during this Russo era, Ric Flair does not wrestle in his gear. He just wrestles in his street clothes. You should have kept doing that. <laughs> um, I, I think you might have skipped over all the, the great Tank Abbott stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, I missed the Tank Abbott stuff. So Tank Abbott's going to keep beating up people until Goldberg shows up. And earlier in the night, they did mention that, like, the guy who owns the Chicago Blackhawks are here. And, like, the guy who's one of the toughest guys ever in hockey. And I feel as though there's, like, 40 this is the toughest guy in all of hockey guys, you know? Yeah. Like, Every franchise has one through their history of their illustrious career, whatever. Tank Abbott grabs him, and in a very scary moment, the guy gets up. Tank Abbott, like, waist locks the guy, lifts him up over the rail, and has him, like, in a pile driver position. And I'm like, he's going to pile drive this old fucking man on the <laughs> floor. But no, instead what he does is he rams him belly first into the hardest part of the ring, the edge of the <laughs> ring. Then the old man doesn't sell, just rolls into the ring to beg off from Tank Abbott. 
then the guy who is a hockey player comes to the ring, and then immediately real security, who had quit earlier in the night, come in to break up the fight. <laughs> oh, great stuff. And the whole time, uh, your boy, Mark Madden, just terrified. You know, because obviously boy. you got beat up previous week. <laughs> yeah. All so, right. like, so there's a lot going on, right? Yeah. Can I, I just want to take this real quick, and I want to talk about my favorite part of the entire show that came up next. The and ending. What's that? No, no. Uh, and that was a, a commercial for NitroGirls.com. Which now, see, I was that surprised. was – I I got a uh, very legal version. Um, did you watch my copy or did you watch it on Peacock? Dude, I, I just can't give up the cock. I don't know what it is, man. Like if I don't watch homework on the cock – like what Summers, isolate that statement from before. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like I unintentionally say these things. Uh, like, if I don't watch homework on Peacock, what's the point of paying for the service? And you can also say, what's the point of paying for it, period. But I also think that it's interesting. Like, I know you're going to watch the original, and it's it's interesting if there is something different I can speak to the cock. <laughs> you know? But on this entire show, there was only two segments on, I think they were back to back. There was the Nitro Girl commercial, and then there was like a call ATT dot or an ATT collect call hotline shit, whatever. But I want to speak to the fact that the nitrogirl.com commercial, which still has Stacey Keebler on there as Sky, which was awesome. And I, not even before I read, I'm sorry, before I read Kevin's write up, I also went to see if nitrogirls.com <laughs> was uh, still live. It is not, but the domain is still active, and I think we should buy it for the podcast, Joe. I was going to ask, how much is it? Uh, see, I don't know how to look at that. I just went to it. It was one of those things that said this domain is available. It's just nitrogirls.com, you said? Yeah. Go to a site like a GoDaddy or whatever, not a sponsor, by the way. By the way. Okay. Yeah, see, I, I just thought, like, they didn't have a first sale sign on the actual Nitro Girls. There wasn't a price there, so I didn't know how to look. But uh, let's see. We'll obviously, we'll purchase this before this, this podcast makes air, so nobody can grab this on us. But uh, what are we looking at? Uh, oh, so NitroGirls.com uh, is only $2,200. Forever, though, right? That's like a no, one-time purchase. Uh, so it's to buy it, and then it's... Um, that includes um, a year renewal, but so just to buy the domain itself is two thousand one hundred eleven dollars. That seems slightly overpriced. Now you could get you could buy nitrogirls.net for thirteen bucks. Ah, oh, see that's oh fucking opportunity there. Why is the yeah. one so much more expensive than the other? What about nitrogirls.edu? <laughs> Uh, let's see. <laughs> Nitrogirls.gov. <laughs> I don't think you could buy .edus or .gov. God damn it. Um, yeah. So, uh, again, if you and Kevin want to scrape together $2,200 <laughs> and buy Nitrogirls.com. Do they have a best offer? <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. Oh, somebody's hanging on to that fucking domain and they won't part with it. That's not fair. All right. It was a thought. But yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there um, that uh, I enjoyed the fact that the cock kept that commercial in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we get the resolution to the uh, Billy Kidman Hogan thing, right? Where um, you're, you're skipping uh, Lex Luger versus Shane Douglas. 
No, we went over all that. Where oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Russo and Flair is dressed up as Sting, and yeah, yeah. My bad. Okay, yeah. Okay. So Hogan finds Billy Kidman in the abandoned parking garage, does not notice R- Bischoff and the White Hummer on the other side of the abandoned parking garage, uh, beats up Kidman. Uh, Tori Wilson hits Hogan with a two by four that Hogan no sells. And then like any good baby face, he chokes Tori Wilson and backs her up against like a pillar in the thing. And, right. And, go- and goes to punch her in the face. If not for the heroic save from Billy Kidman. Correct. Yeah. So they're brawling, brawling, brawling. There's a dumpster in there. Hogan press slam and puts Billy Kidman in the dumpster. And it's at this point, he notices Bischoff on the other side of the garage. So as Hogan makes his way over there, we get a hard cut to a definitely different camera angle with definitely shot with a different camera that may have been picked up at a different time. Uh, Bischoff tries to start the Hummer and he can't figure how to start a car. So Bischoff (laughs) runs away. Hogan gets into the Hummer. He can immediately start the Hummer and he crashes the Hummer into the uh, the dumpster that Billy Kidman is in. The announcers act like Billy Kidman is more than likely dead. <laughs> and then we come back from commercial. They do. Oh, and then Hogan then goes up the ramp to chase after Bischoff in the in the, uh, the Humvee. Um, we come back from commercial. They're taking Billy Kidman out of the stretcher. Out of the out of the uh, the dumpster in a, on a stretcher, and just like we saw before, where Sting just kills Vampiro, so I guess the rivalry's over. Hogan has literally killed Billy Kidman. <laughs> After a week, I guess the rivalry is over. Yeah, um, this is uh, my candidate for one of my favorite early cinematic matches. <laughs> I just want to say, um, and again, Kevin said this in his write up, but like, where did they find this? this dungeon of a parking garage like it's subterranean was that at the venue like how old was that fucking stadium that they were at like that was a sketchy looking basement parking garage that definitely feels like something that they picked up like earlier in the day or at another location somewhere else you know yeah it just seems so old you know and i get it it was fucking 22 years ago it could be the entire arena was like that but it just stood out So now uh, it's time for our main event. Uh, Double J comes out to defend his title against a member of the New Blood that signed the contract. And we find out that it was none other than the current U.S. champion, number one contender, Big Papa Pump himself. And literally as Big Papa Pump is walking down the aisle, I look to see how much time is left. And there's six minutes left on the file. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I go, okay, so there's going to be a barn burner. Now, Kevin mentioned that he recognized two of the three girls that were with Steiner. I definitely recognized a pre-Major Guns Tylene Buck as one of the girls. Yep. And who was the other one? I have no clue. That's the only one I recognized. But uh, Kevin, Kevin's on a whole different level. I, I mean, I, I like to pat myself on the back, but sometimes he's got me beat when it comes to these things. Certainly. <laughs> uh, so with six minutes left in the show, this match goes three minutes uh, when Booker T comes in and breaks up the Steiner recliner. Uh, that's a disqualification, I guess. But the, the low blows weren't, you know, the low, the low blows, blows the that... course of the three minute match weren't. No. Um, Booker T says, uh, you know, you're welcome to Jarrett because he saved his title, of course, to get back into Russo's good graces. Um, Bischoff runs down to the ringside being chased by Hogan. Uh, Hogan low blows Bischoff, who kind of sells it, I guess. 
Yeah, kicks him in the dick. <laughs> and then uh, Scott Hudson had told us earlier that we're going to stay with this as long as we can, as long as we have to. And then Mister Hitman comes out <laughs> with a chair, like he's gonna hit Eric Bischoff, but like maybe is he gonna hit Hogan? And they don't say it, but folks, we're out of time. <laughs> yeah, that, what a great ending! It keeps you on the edge of your seat. Like you have to check back, like you know, tune into Thunder to find out what happened. That's even if they tell you on Thunder. Most likely, they'll make you come back to Nitro. Ah, uh, but Joe, in all seriousness, this show had Terry Funk. It had Mike Awesome. It had Canyon. It had Kevin Nash. It had Mr. Hitman and Haida Powers, Tori Wilson, and Miss Hancock. This might have been the best hour 33 on the cock I've, I've seen in a long time. <laughs> These shows are enjoyable in a train wreck sort of way. <laughs> yeah, that's a little what would be on my tombstone, too. But uh, yes. <laughs> I had fun watching that because, again, like you said, the fact the main event, the world title match was three minutes long. Oh, WCW 2000. Great stuff. Everybody. Not the, la- not the last you're going to see of WCW 2000. There are some pit stops and some uh, some things that we're going to visit before we come back to WCW, but we'll be back. Don't worry. Right. So I have my homework to assign here, um, and it is going to be the next in the line of Chikara events. Uh, this is the eye pay-per-view from the Trocadero in downtown Philadelphia, scary Philadelphia. <laughs> um, Chikara never compromised June 3rd, 2013. Now, uh, this is available on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Um, we're not watching the full show, but we do have two event centers to watch, and they'll all be included in the show notes with this. Um, okay. We're skipping uh, Saturine versus Mr. Touchdown. We're skipping uh, Dasher Hatfield versus Delirious. Like I said, I like oh. both these guys, but it's not part of the overarching story of everything, right? Okay. Um, we are watching the Spectral Envoy versus Colony Extreme Force. Uh, we are watching uh, the Colony OG take on the Devastation Corporation. Uh, there is a hair versus hair match of Donst versus Gavin Loudspeaker. And one <laughs> of the event centers is like the history of that feud. Okay. Um, we are watching the tag title matches 3.0 defend against Jigsaw and the Shard. We're skipping the sarcophagus match against Amasas and Ophidian. And we're watching the main event of Eddie Kingston defending the world title, the grand championship against Icarus. And the other event center is the Icarus and Eddie Kingston promos leading into this. Okay. All right. This is at least one or two matches there that I'm interested in. Right. And uh, I'll be very interested on your take on how uh, everything happens on this show. All right. I uh, look forward to it. Yep. We're, we're in a time of great upheaval in Shakara storytelling here. Oh, so. you don't even know, brother. <laughs> All right. Fair. Let's get into some voicemail, huh? All right. First call. Hey, Joe. Hey, fake David Cannon. Uh, this is uh, Tom Grant. Um, once again, calling Friday afternoon, so I'm going to once again try to predict the future. Um, so first off, I am predicting that not only is Bray Wyatt going to return on SmackDown tonight, um, but that he will have Charlotte Flair with him um, as like his Alice from Alice in Wonderland, and, and there will be all sorts of lore about, oh, is Ric Flair the Mad Hatter, and... Um, Something about Rick Flair's ex-wife. I don't know. I didn't flesh that one out too well. 
Um, also, I am predicting that Adam will not have not watched a second of wrestling in the past week. <laughs> um, also, he will have dreamed at some point in the last two weeks of being a small doll that's held by a small woman um, <laughs> and um, other inappropriate things that I'm not going to repeat here in front of mixed company. Um, and my third prediction is that for the 19th or 78th week in a row, um, AEW will go off the air in the middle of a main event celebration and we'll have to watch the, the really cool post-match speech or angle on YouTube from the perspective of a fan holding an iPhone in the stand. Um, so I enjoy the show, and once again, um, I don't flesh out these calls. I thought I had a bit there. I don't have a bit. Um, <laughs> so, um, Joe, uh, say something. Okay, Joe, here's what, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do as mad enough. Say something on the air right now that you would normally only spill in the DMs. And if you don't, you're a coward. Bye. <laughs> Uh, all right. Before I, I let you prove that you're not a coward, I, I, when did uh, Tom start reading my dream journals? Uh, where did he find out about my uh, my doll fantasy? But anyways, uh, Joe, don't be a coward. Say something you would only say in the DMs. Hmm. Uh, Eddie was at TV, and when he saw they had nothing for him, he went home early and got an early flight home. I think Tom next time needs to say to challenge you to say something juicy from the DMs. I don't know. It's interesting that he was there and they had nothing for him. You know, Eddie Kingston. What, what are you going to do? Yeah. And it's, well, it's not like the Philadelphia market is like a big hotbed for Eddie Kingston. Right. You know? Right. And not like they just had like a hot angle coming off uh, Grand Slam Rampage and he was in the Road to Dynamite video package. Right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so Thanks, uh, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Next call. Hello, Joe. Welcome back, Adam. It's Kevin. Uh, so I had a, I had a thought this week. Um, I was very concerned when I saw the AIW announcement they were going to leave IWTV, and I thought, oh, God, where are they going to end up? And I should have trusted John Thorne. I should have. They'll be on Fight TV. Awesome. I can watch that very easily. Good service. Not a problem. But I've seen so many wrestling companies, indie ones, go with, like, just these crap streaming services. I had one that was uh, local, and I go to the website, and it won't load. And it keeps kicking me back into, like, pop-up ads and stuff. So uh, clearly, I'm not going to sign up for your service or get my money. And then I'm seeing so many stupid things by indie promoters and losing money and making poor choices. And, and Joe, I, I got a question for you. Um, are any promoters stupid? Are a lot of them dumb? Like, I, I'm assuming this is, what's the joke? This is the quickest way to lose money, you know, if you want to be an indie promoter. But just, why aren't, I don't know, why aren't smart people in here? you got a love for wrestling, you want to do something, and you want to make money. And why are you making poor decisions? Not John Thorne. This is not about that. This is just, I'm seeing so many dumbass decisions in wrestling, and I don't want to put it out there because you never know who's listening. But, God, so many of them are so fucking stupid. So, why? Mm -hmm. All right, that's all. Bye. 
<laughs> All right, Joe, why are so many people in wrestling stupid? I think is the crux of that question. <laughs> well, many people involved in wrestling today got involved in wrestling after CTE was invented. <laughs> but the real reason is, is it that they're stupid? Little. Is it more that they're cheap and greedy? That's more or less what it comes into. Um, everybody thinks that their product is worth millions of dollars mm -hmm. and they want you to pay millions of dollars to watch their product, but they don't want to pay millions of dollars to be able to make it easy for you to watch their product. So that's why you have all these different fly-by-night companies popping up. That's why a lot of times, and again, this is no, no knock on them, there's a different price between having your stuff stream live on IWTV versus having your stuff appear later on demand on IWTV. There's two different price points. Um, there's a different price point and availability and ownership if you go on fight versus not on fight, you know, and Kevin mentioned about the AIW thing, and they just recently moved over to Fight Plus. Uh, they do have a show this weekend, and, uh, you know, we're, we're just kind of – I just want to kind of put a bow on the Chikara stuff that we've been kind of doing here. Um, and I, I, I'm a good company man, and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, and I am going to sign up for Fight Plus. Uh, it's just one of those things where, like, this is going up on the 30th, and I don't want to give them five bucks on the 30th and then five bucks on the first, you know? Yeah. Uh, just whatever their billing cycle is, like I'm going to sign up on the day of the show so that like they know my money is going for AIW. Um, but um, listen to this week's The Card is Going to Change for more about their decisions and changes uh, over to uh, Fight as opposed to being on Jerry's Internet uh, Wrestling Emporium. I don't know if you read between the lines on this show for the last like month, maybe you figured it out already. Um, but uh, what it really comes down to is it's just independent promoters want to get as much money from you without spending uh, as much money out of their pocket to do so. Yeah. That's why uh, the at odds Patreon is a, a, a top tier thing and not at all a money grab. And mm -hmm. uh, we endeavor to be better than an indie wrestling promoter. Yeah. <laughs> you, you and Mr. Tim need to have a conversation about this Patreon that you keep talking about. <laughs> all right. Next call. Hey. Where's Hamburger at, man? <laughs> I, I don't know who that was, uh, but if he's looking for hamburger, I think he's over there by cornbread. Well, I, I don't know what just happened. All right, continue. Yeah, it's, listen, maybe on Friday you'll get that joke, being a poor, you know? I don't know. Oh, all right, yeah. I'm not singing uh, In Your House to the tune of Ring My Bell, the old disco cl classic, because I'm definitely not a poor None of those words make any sense. Continue. Right. Next call. Hello, at Oz of Wrestling. Hopefully I got my call in time. This is the strongest man in all the land, Arthur MacArthur. Glad to be back. I missed last week. I was uh, a little occupied with uh, some Thursday night football. Sorry, Adam. Uh, I guess your voice is don't have that dog in that. Woof, woof. <laughs> Anyways, uh, there's really, I don't really have much to talk about. Other than, obviously... AIW fans, make sure you get Fight Plus and watch the show uh, Saturday. It's going to be great. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, sadly, bulking season will be a little out of action due to Chuck's injury, but he will be back the next show. We're all good. Anyways, what's to talk about? I don't know. Me and Adam just had our recent uh, show versus show fantasy draft. 
uh, my card got a little messed up because one of my premier comedy matches got a little ruined from the Luigi Primo's uh, anti-vax. Stuff. I I don't know. The whole situation's weird. I don't even know if he actually is or if it's just speculation. But regardless, bad heat on him. That match is ruined. The make it the best pizza match. Pizza match with Dom and Luigi Primo with <laughs> Wildfire Tommy Rich as the referee is out the window. So I don't know. Screw. It, we'll have fun. Adam Joe. Find me a suitable Italian replacement for uh, Luigi Primo. And uh, don't say Little Guido. That's too obvious. And plus, they already had a tag match. Think of a great, great old Italian man you can use. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm running out of ideas. I'll think of something next week. You guys have a blessed weekend, and um, see you all soon. Did you want to talk about your appearance on the A Show here? Yeah, why not? Already brought it up. So uh, obviously, I called in last week to add odds to uh, to plug uh, my appearance on the A Show, and the episode did drop uh, a couple days ago. Me versus Artie, me versus myself, Artie versus Artie, whatever you want to say. Um, I feel like before I throw it over to you, like obviously. Uh, there's only so much fun you can have on the A-Show, uh, but I did have a good time drafting against Artie. I think I worked myself into a shoot by just politicking all of the rules out of the draft. <laughs> there really wasn't any challenge to the draft. Um, and I think I drafted a very good card and I had a great card idea, but I might have fell on my face when it came to the presentation. Um but I encourage anybody that hasn't listened to go and download it, check it out, uh, and then vote for Artie. Um, so I, I will, I'll do it you and your card. Good <laughs> idea on paper, doing the simulcast, doing the shows from uh, the Odeon and from Sokols, right? Uh-huh. But then, like, you drafted people and completely forgot to use them. Just one. Did you draft Dom and forget to use him, and then you drafted Big Dan and Rex Lawless as a tag team, and then didn't use them as a tag team? I used them as other things. I just Mm. it was confusing. I used uh, you had freaking Big Dan challenging for the Haas boot versus the Duke, right? Right right there, that's a main event in any arena. Uh, And then I used Rex in a tag team with Puff, where they took out the Young Bucks and then challenged fucking Bulking Season. Yeah, but then you had like. So the so and again you, the young bucks thing that you did was tr- specifically to curry my favor. I'm <laughs> sure that if the young bucks showed up at Sokols, they would get a much more favorable reaction than you would assume they would. Um, <laughs> but then like you were doing a deal where like John Thorne was in a match, but then like he was cutting promos at the Odeon, but also cutting promos at. Uh, Sokols, and so was Commissioner Reject, and they were in both places at both times. I, and, I think you're reading into that. I, they, they were cutting promos, and first of all, Thorne was never in a match. You're thinking of Artie's show, which I Okay, understand. that's what it was. Um, but, like, they would interject in between matches, mm-hmm. and it's like, alright, again, it's being simulcast in both locations, so if Reject says something at Sokols, the people at the Odeon can see it on the little TVs. It, it, was, it all made sense. Uh, the the the, uh, the the eighth grade sh- uh, science teacher carts that got brought out on two sides of the ring? Exactly. Um, but I, I think it was just like the way that you were presenting it, like you didn't, like obviously I knew that's what your idea was, but you weren't making it clear in your presentation of it. Um, Artie, I think, has some issues that he needs to work out with Dom. <laughs> 
<laughs> he just wants Dom's love. That's all he wants. <laughs> and I think Dom should give Artie his love. Uh, Artie, they said a lot of good things about Artie. They gave with one hand, and they said a lot of nice things about Artie on the AIW podcast this week. And then they buried him for uh, backing the U-Haul truck into one of the buildings, possibly get, causing them to lose one of their buildings. <laughs> um, he did not drive the uh, U-Haul truck on top of another car like uh, Ophidian did one time. So <laughs> we all have goals. Yeah. Um, I definitely thought they were both very much uh, fun shows. Yours was a little bit more creative than Artie's. Artie was just like, oh, we wrestled the Rock and Roll Express like a week ago, so like we're going to wrestle them again here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and if he wants a good Italian person to be on his show, uh, you know, Alive or Dead, whoever you want to have there, uh, Captain Lou Albano. Oh, there you go. Like freaking Luigi or Mar- Super Mario himself. Right. You, know? you can't get Luigi Primo, get Super Mario. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah. Go check out the episode. Like I said, don't vote for me. Uh, vote for Artie. Uh, if you have a burner, you're welcome to vote for both of us. Uh, although somebody ruined the tie that we had going for a couple days in the poll. Um, and officially, the bit is over, Joe. Um, uh, no more feuding with the A Show. Uh, that was a great six month long bit that went a year and a half. So it's over. <laughs> Thank fucking Christ. <laughs> All right, last call, pink button time. Hey, Joe and Adam, it's Ed. Uh, so, hope, hope you had a good time at uh, Dynamite, uh, Joe. I did. So that was a fun time for you. I'm sure at this point I, I will have heard about it, and it will, I will know whether you had a fun time or not. But... Uh, I've been doing this thing where, like, I will look at the Raws that you're going to talk about on uh, this day in wrestling history, and I have a fun story about this Raw, where during the end segment, um, when they're, like, putting Undertaker in the body bag, I'm watching this, and the next day at the bus stop, my uh, best friend Casey, who got me into uh, wrestling, uh, lets me know that he's pretty sure that China is going to turn on Sean and Hunter's because her pants were black and pink, so she's going to join the Heart Foundation. And I remember, I've only been watching wrestling for a couple months at that point, but even I knew that that was one of the dumber fucking things I've ever heard. Um, I just wondered, do you have any fun stories like that, where, like, uh, someone in, like, your your friends or family, somebody had a really bad uh, theory or, like, about wrestling, and you knew right away, like, this is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I have a cousin who's a full-ass grown man that's been watching wrestling as long as I do, and or have, I'm very high, um, and what? he, <laughs> like, consistently would pick uh, John Morrison to pick the Royal Rumble. It's like, dude, you're, you're 25, you understand how this works, like, never in a million years is that man going to win a Royal Rumble, but he's doing everything. He didn't understand what the main event of WrestleMania meant, I guess. I don't know. It was really odd. It's always been really odd that he thinks John Morrison uh, would win a Royal Rumble. Just want to know, yeah, any 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 fun stuff like that, where like somebody said something, you're like, that's, one, that's, that's stupid. That's really, really stupid. Uh, oh, all back tickets. Uh, me, me and Kat got them, so we'll see you guys there. Maybe yeah. in costume, maybe not. I'm not sure yet. Um, maybe. Okay, bye. <clears throat> 
Pat oh, awesome. already oh Pat already texted me Ed uh since Pat doesn't have social media and he's barely on his own podcast he said yes to the cat girl thing um you guys are gonna get matching outfits uh he did say he wants you just to buy the outfit for him <laughs> uh and just present it to him and he said he'll definitely wear it at the show with you um <laughs> he'll never hear this and he doesn't have social media so you'll just have to trust me on this right yeah he's not gonna be able to refute that you know right. Uh, I, I don't know if I have anything as specific as what Ed just said. I remember like the first thing that pops out to me is like, as a, a, a youngster watching wrestling, like maybe 12 or 13, my aunt, who was like a diehard wrestling fan, uh, was like convincing me or like intentionally convincing me because she believed it, that like the ultimate warrior died and that the new one who showed up to like save Hogan from Papa Shango and Sid was like a new guy playing the ultimate warrior thing. And like, even as like a 13 year old, it didn't quite make sense to me. Like I didn't, I didn't believe her, but she was dug in. So that that's the first thing that jumps into my mind as like a dummy thing. So, okay. Mayan is right in that ballpark. And I'll just throw out here. Uh, good friend, Rob Naylor jokingly says that when warrior came back to save, uh, Hogan at that mania because he was like uh, so <clears throat> small. He goes, oh, <laughs> why is Brian Pillman dressed as the ultimate warrior? <laughs> um, but, you know, and this is one of those, like, it's the schoolyard thing. Like, how this thing gets around is WrestleMania 6, um, you know, Hogan loses to Warrior for the title, and Warrior comes out and he has the new look debuted, you know, like the different hair and the little bit of a different makeup style, whatever it is. And yeah. the next day at school, I had a kid swear to me that he saw on CNN that they interviewed the real Ultimate Warrior. And he was, like, all disheveled and fat <laughs> and was all messed up. And he was saying that he was replaced by a different guy and that the new Ultimate Warrior agreed to do steroids just like I did. And look what steroids did to me. And I think he was probably conflating like somebody else who was on there talking about it and just said that it was Ultimate Warrior. Like this yeah. kid made uh, this kid probably would have been about 12 or 13. So but he swore he saw it on CNN and that they interviewed the real Ultimate Warrior talking about him being replaced by the fake Ultimate Warrior. Plus, everybody knows the Ultimate Warrior is more of a Fox News guy anyways. Well, in 1990, <laughs> I don't think Fox News was a thing, but yes. Yeah, it's funny that, like, that, like, and I get it, like, a, as a kid in a schoolyard, that's one thing, but, like, what was probably, like, a 30-year-old woman, 35-year-old woman at the time? I don't know. Right. I, I did have one more recently, let's say, like, within the last 10 years. Um, she's happily married now, but my wife's best friend, you know, she was dating guys and we'd go over the house and see her and the guy found out that I was involved in wrestling and was in wrestling. And this was a guy who was like my age. So he was like in his, you know, mid thirties at the time and he knew wrestling was fake, right? Uh -huh. The one thing he knew for sure was that Undertaker and Kane were really brothers. <laughs> And he swore to me that he knew that he knew a guy who knew a guy that grew up with them and all this other shit. And I'm just like, and, and April so bad wanted to be just like, like, cause she didn't like the guy. Like he was a bit of a jerk off, you know? And yeah. she's so bad. Want to be like, no, you're an idiot. Right. 
mm-hmm. and I just like casually like nudged her over the table. I'm like, oh, I've heard that too, but it's cool that you know a guy, you know? I'm like, I'm <laughs> never going to see this person again. So like, why get into a thing? And like, no, you're wrong, you know? Yeah. See, I, I'm the opposite. I would have chose that that hill to die on. That would like, I'll never see you again. I could just leave and never think of this again. But no, I want to argue with this person. Yeah. Uh, and hey, uh, young Ed mentioned, of course, uh, tickets are still available. Uh, pre-order tickets for the Let's Hang Out event three weeks from now at uh, World Famous Sokols. Brit, taking it back to the old school. Five matches, two bands. A bunch of the talent has been announced, but we don't know uh, any of the matches just yet. We'll know a little bit closer, too. I will have in the show notes a link to pre-order the tickets. Again, you need to bring your ID. They're not mailing you physical tickets. Your name is going to be on a list when you show up at the door. Yeah. Uh, Proof of vaccination or negative test required. Yes, yes. Um, Yeah, I bought my ticket, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Return to Sokol's. And I know uh, Ed and Pat are standing an extra day, and I think they're going to Knoebels the next day. And I don't want to get into a conversation with Adam about Knoebels because he's a fucking snob when it comes to amusement parks. It is a shitty, small, forgettable park, but I want to go. <laughs> it's It may be small, definitely not forgettable. Um, you're just a snob. I am a snob, but I still want to go. Hit me up, I, I might. I have nothing. Well, actually, the next day. What day is the show? The wrestling show is that a Friday or Saturday? A Friday. Oh, so yeah, that's a Saturday. I can go to Knobles. If it was Sunday, I wouldn't football. But yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. football. All right. Yeah. Fucking Ed, hit me up. We're, we're, no, we're I got. I have um my kids like fall scout thing is Saturday, so I would not be able to go to Knobles. Sadly. Um, but again, if you guys are like still around in the area late before you guys head home, maybe like we can like meet up somewhere and get something to eat before you guys head back to Ohio, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, when me and my best friends, <laughs> Ed and Pat, I just stop and think of their names for a second. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I was going to say Ronald two legs, but, uh, yeah. When me and my best friends are done going to the crappy amusement park, we'll look you up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I'll have the link to buy the tickets there. Come hang out. Come say hi. Uh, there's a costume contest. They always give like a bunch of cool shit uh, for the costume contest. Again, I'm just saying the the person in the lead with the best costume is uh, the Cat Girl Twins. <laughs> um, sign up for Fight Plus if you're an AIW fan. Uh, sign up for Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Use the promo code at odds uh, if you're a new subscriber. Uh, let Jerry know that you came to him from us. Um, like I said, that's where we're watching all of our Chikara stuff because, uh, you know, all the AIW stuff is gone now. Um, go to our T Public store, buy shirts and stuff that are inspired by dumb stuff and logos from the show. And uh, add, oh, and uh, our Amazon affiliate link. Uh, it's in the show notes to every single one of the episodes, no matter where you find the episodes. Uh, does not cost you anything extra, uh, but they, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. Uh, I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Uh, in between me sending you the email and us recording, we ended up having a purchase. Uh, oh. Somebody purchased a World Wrestling Entertainment Series 87 Elite of Candice LeRae. 
Uh, one would assume because she made her triumphant return to World Wrestling Entertainment TV this past week, but nobody updated Amazon because I think it was like on sale. It was like less than nine bucks. Oh, there's an opportunity there. Jump on those before they go up. Yeah, yeah. So like literally as of we recording this at about nine o'clock Eastern time on a Thursday, they were nine bucks on Amazon. Hmm. Hold on. I'm looking this up right. Seven, seven ninety nine. There you go. So seven ninety nine. They've got even gone down since. Nice. All right. Other things that have gone down since are these podcasts, Joe. And I don't know. I think I just insulted them, but I didn't mean to. Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Hit My Music, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, WWE War, Wrestling Cheers, IWTV Guide, Pod Van Dam, The A Show, Wings on Wings, between the sheets, if you catch my grift, and don't spoil it for me, Joe. I haven't listened to the last episode, but the last episode, the championship round of No Chance in Helmet dropped just today. Uh, so go check that out if you're caught up. Uh, yeah, so I guess it's time for Adam's favorite part of the show. Absolutely. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> well, Joe... I went on a little bit of an adventure, uh, and then I have something that I teased when I called in last week. So uh, let me just ask you, do you have any purchases that we could talk about first? I do. I have a ton, actually. Oh, shit. Well, uh, you know what? You take the floor for a little bit. Okay. Uh, so uh, tickets went on sale this past Friday uh, for AEW Full Gear Pay-Per-View and Rampage the night before. Um in the carjacking capital of the world, fucking Newark. Oh, and uh, DJ and Brett, uh, who hooked me up with, you know, going with them to go see Dynamite. They just announced as we're recording this that there is no uh, We Need Wrestling this week because uh, Brett is still on the mend. Uh, like I said, get well soon, Brett. Uh, go check out uh, DJ on uh, We Need Wrestling this past week. Uh, he got to wax poetic for about an hour and change about Terry Funk. And, uh, no one better yeah. to do that than Terry himself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I listened to that episode. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, and I honestly, I'm a little itchy to maybe shoot DJ a message and ask uh, for some of those links to some of the stuff he was talking about, you know? For sure. Uh, so they, uh, oops, sorry. I was just going to say, even though it happened before 1990, I might acknowledge it, you know? Hmm. Uh, so they, Brett and DJ, were going to go to Rampage in full gear. Like, the way that it worked was, like, if you were just going to full gear, your ticket price was X. Let's say X is, like, 100 bucks, okay? But if yeah. you bought the package of Rampage and the pay-per-view together, that put your pay-per-view ticket down to, like, 70 bucks, right? Yeah. So they're like, we're going to do both nights. We're just going to drive to and from. It's only fucking Newark, you know? It's just a quick drive. So I'm like, all right, sign me up. So I'm going to the Rampage and the pay-per-view. Look at you. You're becoming a regular uh, AEW shit pantser. <laughs> and, well, I'm, I might be going to the live Rampage in Atlantic City two weeks before that. We'll see. Oh, man. 
Tony Khan, Joe Sposo's <laughs> in the building already. Fucking let him call a match with Daddy Magic. <laughs> no, that's never going to happen. Uh, thank you to everyone having fun with that on social media. But, uh, yeah, the fact that uh, Tony Khan replies to people being unblocked and other nonsense and he won't touch that kind of lets you know that certain people are still in power over at AEW. I'll just say that. Well, wait until uh, those certain people are on Monday Night Wrestling, and then you are you're you can swoop in. You'll be there clear. There you go. <laughs> uh, so then the other purchase that I did was about a month or so ago, um, my wife likes this comedian, Sarah Milliken. Uh, okay. She's from Australia, maybe. The UK. She's not from America. But she's doing <laughs> She was doing an American tour in uh, November, December, and I missed the pre-order because I haven't bought tickets through, like, a Ticketmaster Live Nation thing in years, right? Uh-huh. So I missed the pre-order. Like, it was one of those things where, like, it started at, like, 10, and I'm like, oh, I'll bumblefuck my way in around, like, 3 in the afternoon, right? And it was, like, gone by then, right? Okay. So I'm still on her mailing list. She she's doing a second tour. She's coming back in April, and I got the thing for the pre order. It was like one of those things where like I got the email like Monday at eight, and it said the pre order goes Monday at ten, and I'm like I ain't fucking missing this one. So I got myself and my wife tickets to go see her favorite comedian in Washington D.C. Scary Washington D.C. <laughs> Don't go there, everyone. <laughs> Fuck sissies. Um, but you know, you're talking like the AEW, the two AEW tickets with fees together was like 207 bucks, I think, and then mm-hmm. the two um, Sarah Milliken tickets, I think, was like 118 bucks, which is like really good priced, I think, to see like a nationally touring comedian at like a theater. But you know, like I said, I haven't done this in quite some time. Uh, yeah. So those were my those were my purchases this week. Okay, that's like a pretty good big boy purchases from you. Yeah, yeah. You know, a couple hundred bucks just down the tubes. (laughs) All right. Um, So, obviously, if you are a Patreon of Longbox Heroes and you listened to After Dark in the correct listening order, you will have already heard a little bit about my exploits this past weekend. But for those that are poors... Uh, and don't have that Patreon. Uh, myself and Todd Roker went to RetroCon this past Saturday. Um, it was kind of like a spur of the moment thing. Like I, I found out about the show maybe like the Wednesday prior, just because I saw somebody like share it on Facebook, and I was like, oh man, I remember you know all the people from uh, the House Show podcast. Remember when that was a thing? Uh, went to it last year, and it sounded like a good time. So. After some him and hawn, I decided to actually go with Todd. And, uh, you know, Todd gets into the weeds about some of the experiences, uh, you know, waiting in line and whatnot. But I just want to kind of touch on a few things. Uh, First and foremost, I got to meet one of my favorite Chikara performers. I got to meet Icarus for the first time, uh, which was awesome. It was only like a minute or two. And, of course, the first thing he does, he brings up Prowler. So I had to to snuff that in the bud. (laughs) But he would not let me take a Mark photo with his back tattoo. So uh, that, that quickly fizzled out but it was just cool getting to give a worker handshake to icarus oh you you gave him the uh (laughs) the 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 fucking liberace handshake like mantis (laughs) gives people 
<laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I Todd made mention of that afterwards. <laughs> Should have given him the limp-wristed uh, handshake, the real soft one. But uh, Joe, and again, go listen to Todd's reaction to this. But I want to kind of uh, give the reaction to somebody who's not a casual toy collector and maybe somebody who's like, a more professional, like serious collector uh, and somebody who's been to multiple toy shows, kind of like what the show was like. And for most of our listeners, I think the, the closest thing I could reference is toy Ohio. And I don't mean to disrespect toy Ohio because I know a lot of people uh, out in the AIW area are closely associated to it and love toy Ohio, but toy Ohio just wasn't for me. Um, I've made comments before that, like if you took, all of the uh, like WWE elites and Marvel Legends and Star Wars Black Series figures that came out over the last two years and took them out of Toy Hio, uh, you you would have just taken out three quarters of the stuff that's at Toy Hio. Like there's it, a lot of repeating stuff there. Uh, so I always kind of found it hard to find things that I wanted there. Um, this retrocon was like the exact opposite. Um, there was so much stuff that I wanted to buy, uh, whether it be stuff that I could afford, uh, meaning like I bought it or I passed on it because it sold, or just a ton of stuff that I couldn't afford, you know, that like I've never seen in person. Um, but I'll just give you some ideas. Uh, first things first, like things I didn't buy, Joe. Uh, I saw the $1,800 HasLab Unicron figure for the first time ever. Ooh, like I was drooling over that for a little while and I yelled at Todd for not telling me about it when it was crowdsourced. Um, there was this Funko Pop. All right. Now, hear, hear me out for a second. Prior to the Mandalorian show coming out, um, there was a New York City Comic Con exclusive Mandalorian Funko. And like it didn't sell. Nobody knew who what it was. They're like, oh, just another friggin Boba Fett pop. Nobody wanted it. So it's like fast forward like two years later, three years later, it's like $150, $200 pop. I'll never own it. I don't have it. I was walking by like a section of Funkos and I tried to avoid Funkos. It was like, I don't give a shit about these. There's better, more important stuff here. But they had that New York City Mandalorian Funko and it said $10 on it, Joe. What? So I picked it up and I looked on the bottom. I'm looking at it, like kind of inspecting the condition. And I look on the bottom. They had a post-it note on the bottom that said fake. So it was a, a reproduction. It was like a Chinese. Okay. And I put it back and I was like, oh, shit. I, I almost thought that I you know, was going to make out here and you know, uh, get this super rare expensive Funko for 10 bucks. And I walked away. And then I was like, you know what? I'm never going to own that thing. I should go back and just buy it for 10 bucks because I put it on the shelf. Who cares? It's just going to look cool. And I got back and it was gone like 15 minutes later. I'm like, damn it. And like Todd might have mentioned this on Longbox Heroes, uh, like things were flying off of shelves. Like there was a lot, anything that you like, uh, there was a bunch of things that I wanted that I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to walk around and make sure that I don't find things that I want more. And, uh, you know, if I don't, I'll come back and I'll grab it. Uh, that were gone by the time I came back. There was a Heenan family elite box set that had uh, Bobby Heenan in a white suit, Mr. Perfect, Andre the Giant, and Big John Studd. Sure. It's been on my watch list on eBay for a while, and it usually goes for like 120 bucks. Guy had it for like 80 bucks, and I was like, ooh, okay, I'm going to look around, and I'll come back. And I came back, and it's gone. Like, there's a lot of stuff like that that were just like, 
you know, good deals. I didn't really have to negotiate down from prices, although I did on almost every case. Of course, uh, you got it. Yeah, you got it. It's part of the fun, haggling. Um, but and if you remember at Toy Hio, uh, my one big purchase at the last one was that G.I. Joe Cobra battle armor thing that was like still in the box and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And if you remember, that was they they were asking one fifty, and I got them down to a hundred bucks. And I was like, Joe, you don't understand. This box is worth a hundred bucks. Like I was like really pumped about that. Yeah, Joe, I saw another one at this show. Okay, and it was in even better shape than the one I had. <laughs> and the guy was asking a hundred bucks for it. And I'm like, God damn! I almost bought a second one. I was gonna say, did you buy a second one? I'm glad that you showed some some restraint. No, but it's just the point of it's like everything that like Toy Hio had, this place had, and then like ten times more. So like I cannot put over just for me personally that the selection was so much better of stuff that I collect. And like Todd mentioned uh, that like there were Comic Con exclusive super rare Turtles figures that like he only was able to acquire through eBay that like he saw at multiple tables. You know, so it's like. Uh, just a wide selection, but enough of me putting it over, not a sponsor, although they can be, uh, the things I did buy at RetroCon. Okay. I already tweeted out on Terry Tuesday and a friend of the show, Eddie Kingston retweeted it. So thank you. Uh, I purchased my second ever LJN and my first ever Terry Funk figure, uh, a, basically, a I don't want to say mint, but I'd say a, a seven out of 10. Maybe an 8 out of 10. Terry Funk LGN with the hat. It doesn't have the branding iron, though. Oh, then you, why even bother, you know? I know. I, I'll get the branding iron one day. Uh, Joe, you want to take a stab at what I paid for that thing? Uh, let's say 50 bucks. Uh, yeah, the guy was asking 25 and I offered him 20 Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he really, he's like, come on, man. I could sell the hat for 25 bucks. And I was like, all right, whatever. And I put it back and then I came back like 10 minutes later and I, he took 20. So uh, 20 bucks. Yeah, I'll do that all day for a, a relatively nice looking figure. You know, like I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of buying loose LJNs, uh, but I have the Bobby Heenan. I have the Terry Funk. I'd like to get a Roddy Piper one day and that'll be it. You know, uh, I, I I would assume the Roddy Piper one probably uh, wouldn't be as expensive just because it was like from the first set, so there's probably a lot more of them out there. But condition and if it has like the little Velcro skirt are going to be two big things, you know? Yeah, the the kilt is the big issue because I've seen the figure itself in a bunch of places. Um, but anyways, Joe, just uh, the next thing, and I actually just sent you a text. Uh, if you're going to have an LJN figure, you need an LJN uh, vintage jumbo collector's case to carry it around in. Uh, oh, nice. And, and these things, uh, like I bought the Transformers version of this at Toy Hio. Uh, so I've kind of been like, these things have been on my radar. Uh, they're just like a really cool, obscure, like inexpensive thing to get for like vintage toys. And Joe, that case cost me 30 bucks. That's and not bad. Like, Cause that's big. First of all. Yeah. Um, outside of like a little tiny bit on the top that looks to be in very good shape, like it hasn't lost any of its color. Yeah, no, it's it's you know whenever you see these, the like the buckles are always a little corroded, but yeah, yeah, yeah thirty bucks, I'll take it. You know, nice. 
Um, I did buy a San Diego Comic-Con 2011 uh, reverse Flash figure that I've been looking for for a long, long time. These go for like 80 bucks all the time on eBay. I got the guy. The guy offered me 50 after some negotiation. I was like, ah, oh, man, I don't know if I can live with the card at 50. And I was like, I could probably live with it at 40. <laughs> so I ended up getting that for half price. I love going to these things and just haggling with people. Um, yeah, you sent me the picture on that one. Yeah, the card's in a lot of white on that card. Yeah, but they're, they're hard to find in nice shape. But sure. it is what it is. Um, and the last, no, the second to last thing I got at the show, and this is another thing I haggled them down, down to only 20 bucks. I'm just sending you the picture right now. From 1986, a Transformers the Movie sticker book that doesn't have any of the stickers applied to it. Oh, and it, okay. And it's like in pretty freaking good condition. Like there's a little bit of cracking on the spine, um, but like it still has the little decoder like slash 3D thing inside of it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really sharp. And like I said, 20 bucks for that thing. I'll do that all day. You know, and thanks to Todd, it actually fits in a magazine size bag and board. Oh, Todd on top of those sort of things. It says 39 cents on the cover price. How about that? Huh? <laughs> I know. That's awesome. But, you know, Transformers, the movie, the greatest animated movie ever made. So I, I'll, I will buy, you know, vintage cheap stuff all the time for that. But um, last thing I bought at Toy Hile, and not Toy Hile, Jesus, at Retrocon. Retrocon. See, again, Toy Hile, Retrocon, I'm available to purchase. You can fucking buy my loyalty. Uh, so there was a lot of Transformers, um, a lot of vintage Transformers, a lot of loose, a lot of inbox, a lot of bootlegs, uh, which I love. Yeah, you're becoming a bootleg man, sure. I am. Uh, didn't find any bootlegs I like, but there was this one counter. It was one of those things where they had like the back wall set up, but they had a front table, so it wasn't really meant to kind of go back there. And I'm kind of squinting. I see something that catches my eye, and I can't quite make it out. And I'm like, is that – what? what is that? And the lady was nice. She's like, oh, if you're having trouble seeing, just come right behind here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm an old. So I, I went behind. And, Joe, I saw this little robot, and it's not a Transformer, but it's something I had when I was, I want to say, six or seven years old. And if my memory serves me correct, my mom bought it for me at Hershey Park. And it's just this little freaking knockoff transforming robot that uh, I got it and it probably broke within like a day because it's like a knockoff. And then I think I like made my mom buy me another one the next year when we went to Hershey Park and I think I broke it again. So like I have no thoughts of this thing since 1987, 88 or whatever. But and again, I've never thought of it. No idea what it was. But, Joe, wouldn't you know it? I saw one sitting on the shelf, mint in box. Wow, okay. And I'm like, what is that? And I, why do I remember this so well, vividly? And, like, if I was capable of human emotions other than anger, I probably would have cried. Like, that's how much nostalgia came back that, like, this isn't like, okay, I'm always thinking about Transformers. I'm always thinking about G.I. Joe or whatever, wrestling figures, because they're just automatically in the front of my mind. But this one robot, like, I haven't thought about in, you know, 28 years, you know, or something like 26 years. And I was like, to see it again for the first time in that long and for it to be, like, in the box, 
I was like, I need that. Like I was, my eyes were wide open and I probably ruined my poker face on the negotiations on that one. <laughs> uh, so I ended up paying full price, but it was like 40 bucks. And I was like, I would have paid triple, you know, just for the amount of nostalgia that came from having that thing. I don't know. Yes, if you've ever it's, it's a Zabungle iron gear. Yeah. Whatever the hell that is. Right. <laughs> yeah. And what does it say on here? Uh, this combination of transformation and I don't <laughs> Like, like, so it's a very basic transforming robot. I think it just, like, folds in half and maybe, like, the legs pop out or something. Yeah, it kind of turns into, like, a spaceship or some shit. Uh, so did you check to see... Now, has this opened up a rabbit hole to see if you could find any other things from this line online or any information about this online? So I didn't do any kind of deep dive. I looked on eBay just to see if I got ripped off or if I got a good deal. You know, right. like, as I was like, obviously, this wasn't something that's been on my radar, you know, because, again, I forgot it was a thing. Um, so I looked on eBay. Um, I got a good deal based on existing sales. I kind of overpaid if you look at closed sales, but I'm okay. happy with what I got. Um, but I did not go any further down the rabbit hole only because this is the one I had. And if there were other ones in the line, I don't care because I didn't have those, if that makes sense. I got gotcha. you. You know, like, because I specifically had this one, you know, because it's red and yellow, kind of looks like Hot Rod, and I think that's why I wanted it back in the day, you know, but, uh, man, I was so pumped when I saw that thing, and like I said, I think they they knew that whatever price they said, I wasn't going to be able to walk away from it on it, you know? But uh, that is Detolf worthy. It's not worth anything, but it's in the front. It's front and center in the Detolf, you know. And listen, that's what all these uh, toy per these vintage toy purchases are about. You know, whether it be the uh, the physical price of things, it's more so about the nostalgia price of these things. Yeah, and, and like I said, this is a forty dollar figure that nobody out there gives a shit about. Um, but like, I got more nostalgia from this than than like any Transformer that I bought. Like right. that I can remember, you know, just because of the memories that this brought back, you know, and being pissed off that I broke it. <laughs> and Todd wanted to play with it. I was like, I'll fucking break your leg. <laughs> there you go. But, he would. Uh, I'm sure he would have got you a new one at New York Comic Con this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that's it from Retro Conjo. Um, like I said, there were some other things I wanted to buy, some things I should have bought, like that bootleg Mandalorian figure, uh, the Heenan family box set. It was cool meeting Icarus. Great show. I plan on going again next year. Um, hopefully, I, I will have more advance notice than like four days so I can build up some coffers before I go. Um, but I definitely recommend it if anybody's in the, the Philly area. Scary Philadelphia, Joe. Oh, these scary cities. <laughs> yeah um i do have one other quick purchase though um and this is something that i called in last week to add odds about and i said that i was thinking about making a purchase that was not toy related and not comic related and not card related uh if you re recall okay um, now this is something that i don't know if this will pop anybody else but for those that don't know, uh, I used to import and export for a living. And one of the things that I did for uh, about 15 years is sell cell phones. Um, and I saw things like these pop up online and I did a I went down the rabbit hole 
I'm actually sending you the pictures right now. But I bought framed, deconstructed versions of the iPhone 1 and the HTC Dream, which was the first Android phone. Uh, so they are literally, they're just, they took those original phones and just kind of took them apart and put them on a frame and put them behind glass with little like schematics on it. Uh, and it's just like a cool little piece of history of like, here's the first iPhone, here's the first Android phone. And, uh, they just make cool little wall art things. Yeah. That's a interesting bit of nostalgia that like would be something that would never cross my mind. Exactly. Like, you know, I showed this to our buddy Dave Holden, who sold phones with me, and, like, he thinks this is super cool because, like, he's a phone nerd like me. He sold phones for years. You know, so, like, if you're in that business or have a love for it – I don't have a love for it, but I was in the business for so long that, like, I saw – I sold cell phones before the iPhone was, like, a glimmer in Steve Jobs' eye. You know, (laughs) so I was there for the the rise of all these things. So it's just cool to have, like, this – it's not. I don't want to say memorabilia because these aren't going to be worth anything because they're they're literally broken. Uh, right. But like they're they're art, you know. And I think that that's the cool thing. It's like one of those. If you were a dentist and you had like an antique like drill uh, like on your wall, like that's kind of like the the my comparison for this. But well, I just I, I you know obviously I assume if they do this with phones, they probably do this with other things. And what I mean by that is, I know that there's like um, art books out there. Where uh-huh. they go through the history of, like, let's say, uh, handheld, held, handheld gaming devices. You know, yep. starting with the first Game Boy up to, like, the, the DS. Where they have what it looks like, and they have the packaging, and they have the different iterations of the packaging. But then they have this in the book, where it's essentially taken apart. And you get to see all the pieces of those Game Boys, and whatever it is. And I'm sure somebody out there, if they've done this... For cell phones, I'm sure they've done this for other portable gaming devices as well. Oh, absolutely. There's, uh, I've seen multiple, like the guy that sold me these two uh, has a first-gen Game Boy that he did as well. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, see, that's kind of cool. Yeah, so I've seen like deconstructed like video game controllers and uh, digital cameras and all kinds of weird different things. It's just whatever you're into, you know, they're, they're, they look really cool and... Uh, I will. Uh, I'll tweet those pictures out or put them up on Instagram. I think the, like I said, if you, you might not uh, like get why anybody would want to do that, but like I said, I, I sold cell phones for you know fifteen years, so yeah. it's kind of a a nostalgia thing, you know. For sure. But that's it, Joe. Like aside from RetroCon and those phones, like I didn't do any doll safariing or order any figs online or anything like that because it's the year of financial responsibility. Oh, it sure is. <laughs> uh, but retro retro sounded like a good time. Uh, you know, I had some stuff going on here. I wasn't able to uh, join you. But, uh, you know, give me a little bit of a heads up. I'll try to keep my eye out a little bit more peeled for the next time that they do it. I think they do it like more than once a year. I think they do it like maybe like two or three times a year. Um, I don't know. Like, it's entirely possible. I just know that like, they advertise this one as like the fifth annual or sixth annual, which leads me to think that it's a once a year thing. Okay. But I could be wrong. Uh, either way, um, you know, we'll we'll see as long as nothing's going on here with the family. We'll uh, definitely check it out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot shorter drive than Ohio, too. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so we're not done just yet, Adam. Uh-oh.
So I got two things, Adam. Holy shit. Uh, so Adam, I know, um, you know, you don't really travel to the big cities that much cause they're very scary, <laughs> but I know that you've been to Philly a couple times, right? I have. Yes. Philly. I've been to many times as scary as it is. You know, I know that you typically go and you like double roll up your windows and don't unlock your door even when you're driving. Well, uh, I- but I'm sure if you go to Philly, sometimes you'll get something to eat. Right. And if you're going to Philly, what, what do you get to eat? Usually, uh, well, well, first I'll say I, I know enough to not take my good car. I take my oh. my lower end car. Uh, um, but if you're going to Philly, uh, I would assume you would get a Philly cheesesteak. Okay, so Adam, where do you go to get your Philly cheesesteaks? Mm, see, I'm do, gonna. Do you have a place, or just go no, wherever? I'm gonna plead ignorance. I, I go to the one that's closest to where I am. Okay, so for years, for me going to South Philly, since for the last. 22 years, I go to Tony Luke's on Oregon Ave, right okay. around the corner from the ECW Arena, right? Yep. Doesn't matter what I've, I'm going to an ECW Arena show, I'm going to the Murphy Rec Center, I'm going to see something at whatever the Spectrum is called these days, I'm going somewhere downtown to the Trocadero for a Chikara show, uh, I'm going to a Chikara show, I'm going to Tony Luke's, right? Yep. Brett and DJ, when they went down to go see AEW back in April, we went to Tony Luke's, right? They went to Tony Luke's. They got the cheesesteaks. They did the whole thing. We're going to AEW. We're going to Tony Luke's, right? Mm-hmm. We go there, Adam, and it's now called Tony and Nick's. What? It's not Tony Luke's. It's been Tony Luke's for 22 years. So we show up, and it's got, like, this whole new facade in the front. It looks all classed up and everything else. And me and DJ's like, I was here five months ago, and it was was fucking Tony Luke's, right? (laughs) So the two of us were like, we're still going. We're here, right? Yeah. So apparently, um, Tony Luke's, like, there's the grandfather who, like, started it. Then there was the dad that was running things, and then the kid that kind of, like, took it over, right? Mm -hmm. So within the last, like, six months, the dad decided he wanted to make Tony Luke's into a franchise. And... I think there was even a Tony Luke's at the casino by us, right? All right. And uh, it's not fucking South Philly on Oregon Avenue, so it sucks, right? I don't need to go there. I know it sucks. Yeah. So that caused a riff in the family, and the son kept the original location but couldn't call it Tony Luke's anymore. And for the longest, for a short amount of time, it was just called Tony's. And then they just recently changed it to Tony and Nick's. Okay. I hate it, but go on. I'm pissed (laughs) off. The food was still good. Everything is still on the menu, the same exact way that everything is. I don't like change. It was a, it was a staple of my traveling to Philadelphia for the last 22 plus years. (laughs) And it's changed and I don't like it. (laughs) um i'm doubting your the amount of uh heat that you're giving to this i think this is more of a uh all inconvenience snow heaters uh, so okay you're going with this i will say this it's been uh, like it's been like a day and a half since we were there you've had time to cool down i've had time to cool down but when dj and i pulled up we were like what the fuck like we were aghast that there was a change Joe, I think that this is what we need to do, you and I, from now on. When right. something pisses us off to the point where we feel like it's going to be in uh, no heat, all heaters, uh, or whatever the opposite of that is, we need to just do a voice memo on our phone and just put it in at the end. 
you capture sure? that raw intensity, that that emotion at the time. You know. Well, maybe this one uh, again. I don't need to turn it on for this one. Uh, the other thing that I want to talk about in all heat, no heaters. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I saw someone post in a Facebook group this past Monday hmm. that it's been 14 months since the pre-order for the Zombie Sailor Double J figure. I I don't know who you can possibly re- be referring to, but uh, that malcontent certainly sounds handsome. Go on. Right, and <laughs> I, I can't imagine who that malcontent got the pre-order email from and blocked out their identifying characteristics so nobody gets in trouble. Uh, somebody definitely less handsome, but I assume... <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, a steep, it's a steep fall off a cliff. Um, but then that person opened up that email from 14 months ago and saw that the Jeff Jarrett pre-order was supposed to be in in February of 2022. Hmm. It's now September of 2022. Almost October. (laughs) The original set, the original line of heels and faces, was supposed to be, like, that took 13 months, okay? From pre-order to whatever. Proof of concept, I completely understand. These things are going to take a while. It's going to be a new process. Let's not get into the fact that my Brian Myers card kind of came a little bit shitty, and everybody told me Zombie was going to make it right, and Zombie just said, eh, it is what it is. It's not bad enough for me to care about, right? Yeah. So like I said, those were 13 months from pre-order to me having them in my hands, and when the Double J was the next one, he said, because we have all the kinks worked out on the first set, the second set isn't going to take as long. No, it's fucking taking longer, right? Mm-hmm. And we keep getting these things. It's like, oh, they're on the boat. They're being assembled. We're going to have an update in two weeks. And the last, so we got an update last Friday. That was the previous update was five weeks before that, where the five week before that one said, they'll be shipping in two weeks. And here we are now six weeks from the two-week fucking announcement, and we're still no closer to goddamn Double J even being in the country, let alone being in my goddamn house, right? Yep. All of this said, Adam, who's going to be the fucking idiot who (laughs) pre-orders the Raven when Series (laughs) 2 goes on sale? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, let me just throw in real quick a a couple things. Like, Zombie tweeted out uh, a couple days ago saying, like, Oh, the Jeff Jarrett's are nearly done, and they should be on a boat in a couple weeks. Like almost like, and all people that are in the the zombie camp are focusing on is like, oh, he says that they're done. Or yeah, I'm sure you could pull up the tweet, but they're ignoring the part where it's like, oh, in like a week or so. Here, read it out for us. All right, August fifteenth, he he sends a picture of a bunch of the double J legs. Okay. Yeah. Just the random legs and bags, not assembled, not on cards, none of that stuff. It says, production is wrapping up. He's currently having his blisters attached to the carding. Expected to leave the factory in two weeks. That was August 15th. Yep. Then the next one is September 8th. Okay? Okay, so like uh, about three weeks ago. Three weeks ago on the nose. Okay. And this is from... The Broski account, okay? Yeah. Where it just says, like, here's a picture of what Danhausen's going to look like. Jarrett arriving in the coming weeks. Yeah. We're already three weeks past the two weeks where Jarrett is going to be ready to go. Yeah. 
So then this past Friday, Jeff Jarrett is leaving on a vessel from our factory overseas to us this week. Sorry for the delay, but we don't half-ass anything. I'll let that hang out there. You'll get the best damn Double J vintage-style figure the collector community has ever seen. And then he lies again at the end and says that he loves everyone. (laughs) But I love it. It's like he can't even confirm, oh, the Jeff Jarrett left the factory today. It's just, oh, hey, it's going to be finishing up this week you know and we already know his weeks fucking don't mean anything you know right and then we have the series two the pre-order is coming soon the last time that we were told about the pre-order the pre-order for series two was supposed to be september i'm looking at a tweet here august 22nd series two officially licensed pre-order late september yeah it's September 30th, as you're listening to this. It don't get any later in September than that. <sighs> so those aren't my- even up for pre-order yet. Yeah. So the pre-order line on that just keeps moving and moving and moving. Um, Because he's doing the Sabu variant at New York Comic Con next week, we ain't going to get an update outside of that, right? We're not going to get any updates on any of these things until after next week, if at all, right? Yeah. So there's no way in hell the pre-orders for Series 2 is going to be up by November. There's no way in hell I'm going to have that Jarrett by November. No, but not at idiot all. fucking me, I'm going to buy the J- the Raven because it's fucking Raven, baby. Raven. <laughs> um, can I make a suggestion regarding the, the Raven figure? So Okay. Obviously, you and I both brought the Brian Myers. Um, I bought the Broski. Um, do you remember what those ran roughly? Were they 40? I think they were 40, shipping? but he did like an early pre-order for people in the Facebook group. And they were like, I think 37 is what they ended up being like before shipping. Gotcha. So obviously those figures came out and all the hoopla about the delays and the condition aside. Uh, initially, they were going for big bucks and people were like, oh, full set of heels and faces, series one, only a thousand dollars in the group. Like people were going nuts. And of course, you had people who like, you know, because Broski and fucking Brian, too. So don't, he needs some of the blame. Uh, we're all like, oh, these things are super rare. And like, I'm going to buy cases of these things to just sit on them for five years. So like. All these people were like, oh, man, like I got, I got this gold mine. I'll sell you my extra Dino Bravo for 300 bucks. Like That's how they were selling before. But now, what are we, four months later, five months later, if that, they're selling in the group for 30 shipped. Okay. I, I saw a broski signed one for 40 shipped. Why not just wait until the Ravens are like out and all the heat? like dies on them. And then just like anything else, people don't give a shit anymore and just scoop one up for next to nothing afterwards. Then your money's not tied up like for two years or a year and a half or whatever it is. I'm sure it'll be much quicker than series one, but like, you know, let the people get it in their hand. Then you can kind of cherry pick the condition. You know, you don't have to worry about zombie fucking elbow dropping one because he doesn't give a shit about the condition of anybody's cards. Other than if you're on the major pod, like, then, like, yeah, you don't have one day one, but, you know, a couple months later, you get a Raven. You make a good point. Yeah, because like I said, I, I saw that I saw a Broski one signed 40 bucks shipped 
And I'm like, man, I'm pretty sure I paid more than that for the unsigned one. You know, not that I collect signed ones, but I was just thinking, like, is this people that realize that like anytime Cardona and Myers tell you to buy something because it's going to be worth money, you're being lied to. And like they bought a ton of them. Uh, Or is it just somebody just got bored with the line or feels like zombie is a fucking unreliable salesperson and they want to not support it anymore. Like it could be all of the above. Yeah. All of the above. So like, uh, you know, you could, maybe that doesn't happen with Raven. Maybe they don't make enough of them and it becomes the rarest figure ever. But uh, I think you might be okay. Just saying, you know what? I'm not going to give zombie the satisfaction of getting money from me and I'll just buy it on the secondary market, you know? So, when the pre-order goes up around Christmas time, you need to remind me. <laughs> you make a New Year's resolution that when the pre-order goes up in February, <laughs> you don't buy one. Obviously, we'll talk about it in the uh, our doll chat, you know? Yeah. When it happens, but um, I, I will say I, I also saw that post in the major group about the, uh, the, the Jarrett's being 14 months old. Um, and when I was done being just like flabbergasted with how handsome the guy's profile picture was actually, I think it was a George Costanza profile picture, but, um, I was reading through the comments and it's just fun that it became a big cella versus zombie debate in there. And, and then when the heat died down, somebody snitched tag zombie, uh, uh, Josh sailor on the post, but he didn't reply cause he's a coward, <laughs> right? That's, that's also true. He is a coward. Um, but it was less a zombie versus cella thing. And it was more a, how bad the Dylan Hornswoggle postal <laughs> cella looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so Brian uh, mentions this post on the podcast this week on Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, and they all have a good laugh, you know? Yeah. Um, but they they make a good point in regards to the Dylan uh, Cella, right? Because I'm looking at it, and I'm like, there's something about it, right? There's something I just can't put my fa- finger on as to why it looks off, right? Yeah. And they mentioned on the podcast that the Dylan Cella is in scale to other Cellas, so he is small, right? And I know DJ had mentioned that the Bull Nakano is, like, way small in compared to the male figures. Yeah. And, like, Bull Nakano wasn't, like, a, you know, a little person. Um, But she definitely was, you know, short. Sure. So I assume that the Dylan is that size, but where Brian came in was... He's, he says, he goes, Dylan was in my wedding, and we had to pay extra money to have his pants specially tailored because his legs are so short. Yeah. And that's what, th- they're like, that's what it is now that he said that, and I'm looking at it, is that his legs, the the, the, the Dylan Cella, the legs are normal-sized legs. They're not, you know, Dylan-sized legs, right? Sure, the, the proportions are standard proportions, you know, right. as opposed to, like, things being slightly off, you know? And and Brian said that you could buy this, give it a repaint, and tell people it's the Diesel figure, you know? <laughs> you know who I thought it was when I first saw it, or who it looks like? What was the name of the guy that was in NXT that was, like, kind of the fat guy who, who was, like, working out because Triple H told him he was too fat? Bull James. Bull James. It looks like Bull James. <laughs> Take a look at that figure and then think of that. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm spot on with that, but... Well, I jokingly said when they put up the graphic... And they showed the promos leading up to Dynamite this past week for Juice Robinson. And I said that Juice Robinson has strong Dylan Postal energy. 
And DJ said, he goes, I'll buy, he goes, we'll buy the Dylan and that'll be a Juice Robinson uh, retro <laughs> figure for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but uh, anyway, Joe, yes, I share your frustration and uh, uh, I too will probably be kicking myself when I buy the uh, Nick Gage versus Broski bloody two pack. But uh, that'll probably be in 2025, you know, when everybody's still thinking about that match. You know? Sure. Striking while the iron is ice cold. <laughs> but anyways, that's it. That's all I got. Unless you're angry about something else. No, that's it. I'm done. Short show, Joe. Just a little, little under three hours. All right, everybody, thank you very much for listening. Thanks for bearing with us. This is what happens when Adam takes a week off. The show's extra long, you know? <laughs> Adam has all that stored up energy that he has to get out somewhere. Yep. Spectrox. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, again, thank you both. Uh, or thank you both. There's more than two people listening, I'm sure. I looked at the Oops. numbers. <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. This is episode 209 of At Odds with Wrestling. Be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini. <laughs> of Podcast Networks.